I cry for help every now and then, or like in pain, yeah. you know. Great intro. Yeah. Podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys figure out which one it is. Just talking about my other job, guys. I walk the street. Hey. He walks the street. I walk on the street. All right. So we got some oh, news. Oh, I forgot my original intro. It would have made you happy. Aw. Um, I was going to. No. Okay. So my, my intro. Can you count, suckers? Can you what? Count. Can you count suckers? What's that from? Count suckers. The Warriors. Oh, um. Okay, so, you funny did. thing. Can I did not watch can. the movie. I did not watch the movie. You know what? I, I, played, I played the video game. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, first of all, I assume you're joking. And I'm not. I'm not joking at all. <laughs> you played Warriors instead of Dread? No, I played the video game Warriors and watched Dread. So you I've watched Dread. Dread. I don't believe him. I don't know why it is. I don't believe him. Lines no, I watched war- Dread. I watched the line- Dread. The line- we are, we are going to war- talk about Dread tonight. That's fine. We'll talk about it. I just don't believe that you actually watched Dread. And that you- I watched Dread. Do you want me to give you the receipts? That well, I paid for the movie. Did okay. you pay attention to the movie while you were watching it? I didn't. No, 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 no. Guys, you got me misunderstood. <laughs> I That's didn't play big... Warriors as I was watching Dread. I did the two separately. Okay. You did make it seem that way. Okay. Are we all right? No. Also, that's, that's, okay. not the, that's not the quote from Warriors. Is it not, really? Yeah. I know it's can you dig it. Yes, that's, that's it. Not can you count on something. Oh. Can you dig it? Dig it. Serious or not, because you weren't even quoting it properly. But that line was in there, wasn't it? No. Damn it! That's what I get. The two most famous lines. That's what I get. That's what I deserve. Well, were you playing the game or not? I was. That was in the game. It only says it at the beginning. That's the thing, because then the guy gets shot. So. All right. And the, the other famous one is Come Out to Play. Warriors Come Out to Play. That was really funny and actually borderline annoying. <laughs> it's actually good. In the movie, it works. I see. No, no, no. I, I, it, I'm saying it, it still worked in the game, too. But, it, like, that's what that, that Anyway. All right. My, my guess right. is you're watching where there's a guy in the car that keeps saying it while he's clinking bottles together and just keeps oh. doing it. Um. That's not at all what happened. Um, okay. The game. Anyway. Uh, turn it! What? Turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Um, so, yeah, the Tenet trailer came out. I, I know, Nolan. Chris, you love Nolan. Nolan, like must. The Nolan must make a movie that breaks our minds every beginning of every deck of uh, every new decade, he's very good at making mind-bending movies. Yes. yes. Memento, Inception, mm-hmm. and now Tenet. Still, don't really know what Tenet's about. Um, That's why I'm excited. I don't that, know what it is. 
That is. I think fun. it's like a sci-fi movie of some kind, or well, it's a time travel movie. It seems it's playing with time a lot. Yes, of course it is that. Like we we all understand it's about time travel, but are they spies? Do they work for the army? Do they work for a corporation? Are they trying to steal something? Are they trying to stop a war? That's with the main character. He's probably not going to have much to do with the main character. It's probably like a plot-driven movie, but like I don't know what it's about yet. That's all. Like. And the thing is, when I was watching the trailer, I was like, okay, yeah, this does look good, but it, it just looks like a nice, slick Christopher Nolan movie. Like, it looks like a Bond movie to me. So, nothing nothing about it really excited me visually. It just looked like he learned how to slow-mo a little bit. It doesn't mean it's not going to be a good movie to me, but, like, there's nothing really about it that I watched, and I was like, I'm excited to see this Nolan movie other uh, over other Nolan movies. Like, so, just something yeah. about this look didn't speak to me. And I do like I do like Denzel Washington's son though, and I'm glad he's the lead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, real quick though. No one. <laughs> Today is somebody's birthday. It's an actor. Happy birthday, Doug Jones. Happy birthday, Doug Jones. Happy birthday, Fish. Yes. And... Happy birthday, Silver Surfer's uh, body. Ow. Happy birthday, also, best friend of Hellboy. He's also Abe Sapien from Hellboy fame. What happy is he? Birthday, happy birthday, Slenderman. Happy birthday, zombie from Hocus Pocus. Happy birthday to every creature in Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, Not every creature in Pan's Labyrinth. He's a chunk of them, though. Certainly the guy who has eyes on his hands. Yeah. Uh, he's in Crimson Peak. He's in Shape of Water. Captain of Dr. Caligari. Uja. Happy birthday, guy who looks like Paul Bettany. Yeah, a little bit. Um, he, uh, I actually got to meet him one time, which is kind of cool. That was a very interesting experience, truthfully. I think. Well, yes, at a at a con. No, it was at a film festival, actually. Mm. Same thing. Okay. No, not before. They're kind of the same thing. Kind of, but not this. This is like a really, really like. Oh, they, have, they have two different names for a reason. Yes. Right. It, it's a very different thing. I met him because he acted in a guy I knew's film, basically. Um, we had... Oh, he's an interesting fellow, dude. So so we had, like, a two-hour conversation, and he, like, explained that he has, like, this thing where, like, he's obsessed with, like, caressing people's skulls and, like, massaging them. Go on. And stuff. And he, and he, he, he's discovered that it actually soothes people, but uh, it's a soothing thing. But it's also just like his way of like understanding people. He's interesting. So he like caressed my skull for like an hour and a half, which was weird. That, that sounds like um, something a creepy, a creepy person would say. They're like, yeah, I like to rub people's skulls for an hour, and yeah, it, it heals them. It, they love it. And you're like, sounds like you love it. <laughs> No, but he, he's a really nice guy, though. I mean, that would make an interesting story. Like, yeah. I had my head rubbed for an hour and a half by Doug Jones. Who else is going to, like, that's a fun thing to bring up at a party. So, if you actually, I feel if like you guys actually go on my Facebook, there, there's a picture of him doing it on now, my Facebook. Now, that can either go one of two long. ways. Once you tell yeah. someone, that can go one of two ways. They sure. either say, nice, that's really cool, or they would call the cops. I mean, Doug Jones is cool. Like, I, I have no issue with it. <laughs> like, 
Um, no, but if you guys cool, but that's like a very weird thing that not a lot of people do. So you know. yeah, no, I 100% agree. There's the are... um, hold on, let me see if I have pictures still because there's he shows up like hello guys, I knew you were doing our podcast. I listen to you constantly. Yes, he's the picture, Zach. I look at it every. Well, he's American. First of all, he's like very I'm studying so for he's a, taking up a majority of our listens on Spotify. studying for a role. If you go onto my Facebook, there, there's a picture of me, and he's like, he's like, like caressing my skull. It's weird. Yes, I'm caressing Zach's skull. It's very nice. My hand was smelled like Zach for days. Oh God! <laughs> didn't <laughs> wash it, guys. I didn't wash it, guys. It was certainly special. It was a very special day. We talked for two hours. I'm Doug Jones. Why am I speaking British? Oh, I'm preparing for a Doug film Jones role. For a part, how dare you? Second, I was in. I was in the Oscar-winning Shape of Water. I played the water and the fish guy. And Guillermo del Toro. People don't know this. I am Guillermo del Toro. It's all and that. and that doll that looked like Sally. God, it was me without makeup. They caught me. And they Anyways. Put- Awesome. I, I think I think Chris wants to talk about something else. I think you don't want us to make fun of this anymore. <laughs> that sounds a little bit more like what you're talking about. I'm Doug Jones! Yes. I hang out with Michael Shannon, fingerless Michael Shannon. That's right, he cut off his fingers in real life. I can't imagine right, Alex, the people Alex, that you're, you're around are thinking of you right now. I, like I, feel like, I feel like Zach doesn't appreciate this joke. <laughs> what was the other thing? <laughs> the Chris. He genuinely pulled a Chris and booked it. Much. <laughs> 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 Happy birthday, Doug Jones. <laughs> um, Podcast, why are you leaving? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what that other piece of uh, news was. Um, He's not British. <laughs> <laughs> you kept going. You get him back. Oh, he's back. You done? Oh, come on, Zach. Why are you pulling a Chris on me? <laughs> why are you pulling a Chris? What's, what's going on here? A little, little too far on that one. <laughs> Doug isn't even British. I'm not, not even. Him. It's a fake Bro- Doug Jones that I'm bringing to the table here. I get it, but I you love him. Okay, he's your best friend. I got it. It's cool. Come on, Jack. Come on. It's a fucking. It's a fucking dummy. I can make it for a while, but there's. But, but what you at some point you feel bad because I make you fun of a guy you know? Come on, man, he's an actor. We're well, I get it, I get it. Just oh, just what was that other piece of news? Zach For Snyder. God's sake, this is Zack Snyder cut. Zack Snyder. The Snyder cut. Yeah, the Snyder cut's coming to HBO Max. Three and a half hours of your life are going to be taken away in 2021. What do you do? Three and a half hours. Chris, they're not making it that. He's making it like six hours long. He's making it a. He's making it an episodic thing. No, they're adding way more footage to it. This is going to be a fucking six-hour miniseries, guys. Did you look this up? I didn't think I it did. was going to be that long. I didn't I actually. Did. I did look this oh, up. I did read that much into it. On it. They all conflicted oh, that, with each other. That is what I read. Snyder. I read two and a half. I read 
210 minutes. And then I read six-part, half-an-hour episodes. They have not said how long it's going to be. That's all I've heard. No, no, no. He's anticipating it's going to be, six, it's going to be uh, an episodic thing because they have to shoot new stuff. That's the reason they need a year. They have to shoot stuff. From uh, what I'm reading right now, it is going to be the original four-hour cut. Original four-hour cut. That's what's going to be. Four hours! I guarantee you that a four-hour cut is A, too much, and B, uh, he's never made anything that long, so he could if he wanted to, but this is also Netflix, so he's going to want to milk this for as long Uh, as It's not Netflix, it's HBO Max. Sorry. Either way, whatever he's going, he's going to want to milk as long as he can. Oh, I'm sure he will. Um, is, talk about something that's a year away and no one really knows anything about it except for them. So, yes. Well, all... apparently, apparently a bunch of people know a bunch about it because they, talk, they showed pictures and shit of it. Ah! <laughs> oh, oh, was Doug Jones one of them? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I, I don't care. Yeah, no. It's a like, it's an odd precedent that they're setting because it means that any this means that if fans whine enough, that a studio might cave to any demands that they want. Um, of all the filmmakers in the world that didn't deserve a second fucking chance, it's Zack Snyder, and the only reason he's yeah. getting it is for two reasons: a, it does suck that he loses his vision, and we have a movie that's really two people's visions. But that's also not the first time that's happened, including tonight's movie. But the other thing is, yeah. is like, I even it, it, it's it does suck that his daughter killed herself and he wasn't able to finish the movie because of that. And the sources say that the studio pushed him out when that opportunity came. But even then, it's because he made three movies that range from good to bad. So I don't think he deserves a second chance. We're going to get it and it's just still going to be. Maybe it'll be more uh, a better version of Batman, sure, because his version of Batman is better if Affleck's in, if Affleck is into it. But it's still going to be a story about Superman turning into a zombie and trying to kill everybody, and he's not going to be happy until the very, very end. And none of that is shit I care about. Okay, so yes, I never wanted it. No, I mean, so but here's the thing. No, 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 I never wanted it, but I'm glad we're getting it. Yeah, I just you? want to watch fandom burns. No, I, I just want to see the world burn. Chris, so I, my Chris. reaction is a wall. Chris, I mean, this is what I would say. If I hope is, they enjoy it. I hope they do. Chris, they will. They will, Chris, who, because if anyone is asking right for the would Snyder say they cut, don't want more media, though. It doesn't matter what the media is. Who in their right mind would say, yes, I don't want it, but am I going to be happy to see? Absolutely. It, the whole point <laughs> is, is that if, if people love those movies now. That's the point. Like, if you loved Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, you want Justice League. And if you like those movies, we can't help you. You're, you're skewed. Your view on movies is skewed, and they always will be. If Batman vs. Superman solidified why you want more Zack Snyder DCEU, then, yeah, they want this movie. And, yeah, they're going to love it because it's what they wanted. They like the guy, and they like his style, and they like his voice and what he did. So, yeah, there are people out there that want it, but it's not good. And we know that for the sheer fact that we didn't pay to see his fucking movies in the first place. They all, the, the money went down and no one talks about those movies and they're not good. 
So sure, we can get it, and sure, that's fine, and sure, an artist gets to complete his vision, especially when all the actors were behind it in the first place, and it wasn't like he lost it because of like some big company thing. Like He had a problem, and the uh, uh, studio took advantage of it, But and all of that sucks. It really does. That shouldn't have to happen to anybody, especially directors I don't like. But he lost his chance, and the only reason this is existing is because people won't shut up about it. And it's like, okay, fine. If you aren't shutting up about it, you're going to like it when you get it anyway. That's the way it is. They're going to like it because they won't shut up about it. And Snyder, just like all of those people over at Star Wars who listen to the wrong people, are listening to those people going, okay, the fans want it. I have money, and I'm going to give it to them because they can. And that's fine, and maybe that's cathartic for him. Great. But I don't care. I'm going to watch it out of curiosity, but like, I don't want to pay for it, and I wouldn't. I didn't ask for it in the first place, and all I'm just going to do is like watch it and be like, okay, this looks better. The actors are more consistent, and the vision is there. But I don't like this vision, and I probably never will. I don't like any of his vision. I don't think he moves movies. I don't think he moves moments at all. I think he goes scene. For, watching a Zack Snyder movie is like watching a DVD menu on Scramble. <laughs> Shit, just, there's no connection to any of it. And it never works. It never moves like a fucking movie. It looks great. The performances may be good at times, but he, he cannot tell a visually captivating story. At some point, you just fucking check out. Or you grab your phone or you do something because you can't get into the rhythm of the movie. There is none. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I don't completely agree. And this is coming from a guy who, for, for years... In years, I defended the director's cut of Watchmen as being a reasonable to good movie. And at this point, I'm just like, I don't care to defend this movie anymore because it has a lot of problems and there's no way to fix them. And let me be clear. Let me be clear. Watchmen looks gorgeous. All of his movies look gorgeous. Like, I think Watchmen's his best looking movie. And I think Zack Snyder did something that people never thought could be done, but just, it's a mess. I don't don't know which Zack Snyder movie I think looks the best. There's a part of me that really thinks Batman vs. Superman looks great at times. Um, But the thing about those two movies is that they aren't his imagery and they aren't his ideology. He's taking other people's images and other people's stuff and he's using them to tell stories that don't work with these characters. So, like, he doesn't understand Superman, and he never understood Watchmen. So, those may be beautiful images that he didn't create, but, like, made them, like, palatable for filmmaking, but that's it. Like, he knows how to stage a shot and an image, but he doesn't really ever know what those images mean or how to string them together properly. So, yeah, like, the two movies that I think look the most beautiful for him are not based off of his imagery. And the only one that really is is Sucker Punch, and Sucker Punch has imagery problems. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think... We gotta, like, well, we gotta no, put I, Zack Snyder movies on his wheels, man. I always, <laughs> I always, I always sure. thought that Zack Snyder would probably be a great like cinematographer because he really knows how to move the screen and make things look really pretty. And if he had a director just like telling him, like, we need to shoot this, we need to shoot this, and then he had that reasonable director saying the thing, I think a lot of his movies would be great. I wish they would just, like, I think he'd be a good cinematographer, but I also know that he's good with uh, CGI, and he knows the right people to to get that together. So this is part of me that's, like, maybe he should be a second unit director um, more than anything, but, like, I don't want him in the editing. 
I don't want him part of the editing process at all. That that's where he loses <laughs> me altogether. And again, really reminds me of this movie a lot that we watched tonight. But like, it, it, yes, I do think that when it comes to imagery and it comes to a vision, he has that. But and he may have something that he wants to say with his stories, but none of it is actually really good. And it really never complies with the world that was existing before he walked in there. And it all just doesn't move like a movie. So I'm not here to argue like Batman doesn't kill or Superman doesn't do this. Although I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't care about Superman in those movies, especially Justice League. And I, it, it, yeah, I just don't, I never really side with what he's trying to say ever, as well as it just not moving like a movie. None of it moves like a movie. Here's exactly what will happen. I'll give him Dawn of the Dead. 300 is basically a super long music video. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but but not not. But I'm not. I'm like Alex. You're absolutely right. His movies don't. You, you know what they are. You know what they really are. Honest to God, Alex. Shit. That's objective. Come on. No, it's not objective. It's true. No, um, they have to see to them. Them as holes or shit. They're not fucking movies. They're fucking comic books. He directs fucking comic books. If you take all his images and you put them on on uh, comic book panels and shit, and then you have someone else write the dialogue and all that, I think his movies look great. Okay. Um, and just the thing, flow, the like thing a comic book. <laughs> they don't flow like a movie. They flow like a comic book. But see, even comic books understand how your eye is supposed to follow the page. And your eye moves with the directions of the page. There's a manipulation there for you to see the images and read them in the right specific way. Even if you don't and you come back and you see it, it's there. That rhythm, that sense of storytelling through visuals is storyboarding. And yeah, he may storyboard images well, but he doesn't know how to get from one to the other fluidly to make me care. He's never, ever made me care. It's all especially Batman versus Superman. It's just a movie that moves. It's just, here's a scene, 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 here's a scene. None of it connects, and none of it moves the way that even a comic does. True. Okay. <laughs> so it's about moving pictures. Okay, so... <laughs> like, here's exactly what'll happen, Right? I thought about this. I'm like, okay, they got what they wanted, right? The people who have been clamoring for this, they got what they wanted. Now, so what will happen is it'll be pretty much almost the exact same thing. Mm, then, first, but... and then people would be like, this is the exact same thing as Whedon's cut. What happened? Well, it can't be Zack Snyder's fault. It's got to be the studio. The studio is the problem because fight the power. I don't think that's going to happen. The cycle will, the cycle will, like, the cycle will, like, continue. That's my prediction with this. The cycle continues. But I understand your point of, like, if something is bad and those who want it to be good cannot um, see that. that it's bad and will make an excuse for why it's bad and blame it on the studio, sure, I don't think it's going to be the same thing. There are legitimate scenes in Justice League that are Josh Whedon and only Josh Whedon. Especially that last half, man. That last half is Whedon-esque. And there is no way that Zack Snyder is going to allow that shit to stay in his movie. Because he doesn't make movies like that. He doesn't make a movie where two people are digging a grave and then they just start quipping about each other. 
He would never make a movie where Cyborg and Flash dig up a grave and joke while they do it. Even I think it's stupid that that's in Justice League. <laughs> I want that stuff. No, there's a, there's going to be considerable tone down of comedy in this movie. Those scenes are going to be taken out, and it's going to be a it, like Superman's going to have a completely different story where he's yeah. like the bad guy because that was the point. It wasn't supposed to be the horned dude that they made in CG later. It was supposed to be Superman because Zack Snyder doesn't know anything about Superman. Yeah. And it was supposed to be Bruce Wayne and Batman leading it and all that stuff. And like, basically, no. basically, here's the, the, the general consensus here, Chris, is that about two thirds of the movie was going to be <laughs> Superman being the bad guy. And the very end, they're going to reveal the, the CGI guy and Ray Park's dark side being the reason why Superman went dark. And then it's going to be everybody. Ah, that's listen, what it, that's what it is. That's what it is. Listen. That's exactly what it's going to be. Listen. Exactly. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be miserable watching it. But oh, I'm going to sure. laugh at the end. I'm going to laugh at the end. Because they got what they wanted. And they have no choice but to enjoy it. They, they don't have a chance. Enjoy it. They already enjoy his DCU movies. There's two of them. And they're clamoring for more, dude. They, are, they have drank the Kool-Aid. They are dead. Hey, they Kool-Aid's have... great. Well, I'm talking about the Kool-Aid that's poison that kills your cult. <laughs> yeah. They drink that Kool-Aid. They right. drink. The, they they're already done. Yeah, they, they are. Why is the cult drinking Kool-Aid? You've never heard that story? <laughs> Seriously, Chris, you've never heard that story? No, no, no. Okay, 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 okay. You mean the story behind the saying "drink the Kool-Aid"? No, yes. that actually happened, Chris. Yeah. There was so a cult. This wasn't. There was a okay. cult. There were five guys. They were they were being uh, they were being surrounded by the cops, and then uh, they basically held themselves hostage, and then to, so they wouldn't get jailed, they all drank Kool Aid, and the yeah, Kool Aid was, was Johnstown, dude. Jim Jonestown. Jones. It was Jim Jonestown. Jonestown. Jim Jones. That's a real thing, Chris. I okay. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I don't expect you to know because November eighteenth, nineteen seventy-eight. Nine hundred people died. Zach. He's right. not gonna know that it's from the seventies, but mm. I'm just yeah, like that's that's what it was. Like a, a whole, okay. whole cult was like held, surrounded by the cops, and they didn't. Want I to do thought anything. it was like some thing. What? Why are we talking about this? Because you didn't know what the phrase "drink the Kool Aid" meant, and we're just explaining. Like, I was just making a joke. Yeah, but like. You don't know what that means, and you don't know it's a real thing, so we're just explaining it to you, that's all. It's a common phrase that you don't know what it is. We're just explaining it. We love you, Chris. No, you don't. No, you don't. All right. Okay. What I'm saying is, I, like... (sighs) It's super easy. Do you know... Did you know what that phrase came from? I'm not talking about the stupid phrase! That's what we are. What are you talking about? Why are that's you upset? Cut. We are done. Well, look, that's this is a side conversation of, of that. I used the phrase and you didn't know what it meant, so we we had to explain it to you. So we're still explaining it to you. You asked us. <laughs> but I'm talking about yes, the center cut. His fans drank the Kool-Aid already. They're already poisoned. They're going to die. You believe his film good. This is like, okay, what I'm what I'm trying to say is. Like, people will be like, it'll be bad. Like, I didn't ask for this, but be, I'll, 
I'm just going to laugh because, like, I can't, like, for me, I can't go in too hard because I am currently a part of a fan base that does the exact same thing and is about to do the exact same thing literally tomorrow. What? <laughs> Hashtag. What? And I'm not, I'm not advocating this. Hashtag make Solo 2 happen. It's happening tomorrow. Why not have a Han Solo 2 movie? Wait, what? Are they asking for a second Solo movie? Yes. Why not? Yeah, why not? The first one was reasonable. It wasn't great. That's the thing. That's the thing. They're just like, make Solo 2 happen. But I don't see how that's the same thing. Hey, Alex, remember when you said Zach pulled the Chris? Maybe, like... Let's try this again. <laughs> like, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for a sequel of a movie as mm-hmm. opposed to saying, give me the original version of that movie. Give me the, get, literally go back in time and change the movie that you gave me as opposed to going, oh, well, Solo kind of sucked, but I want a sequel. Like, people want a sequel of Dread. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with wanting a sequel, but in my opinion, there is a precedent being set when they're like, get so- the original director reshoot things, re-edit things, add things, and change the movie that came out years ago. All I'm saying is, I just can't, like, be mad at these people. I can only laugh at them. I think the closer thing to this, in comparison to you, to your Star Wars fan base, is the was the the Duel of Fates animation. Oh no, God, I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you what it is. No, I'll that's, tell you what it is. Give us the original idea, and then they made it. No, I'll tell like, you what it is. Their money well, together and had a fun. I'll yeah. tell you what that it is. That would be it. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. It's the the equivalent to this is the people who started that petition when the Last Jedi came out to remake the Last Jedi, and it got like what half a million signatures? No, not even that. Last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker, there's a large amount of groups from both sides want that movie changed. Both of them want their movies changed. But that's what I'm talking about. Yes, that's more akin. Taking something that already exists and having it changed as opposed to being like, well, I just want more of the thing. You know, everybody wants a sequel to a movie that exists. There are people who love movies no one's ever heard of. And like, my brother Brian loved this movie called like The Fourth Kid or something like that from like 2000 something. It's like The Fourth Day or whatever. And he's like, they're going to make a sequel. I'm like, they'll never make a sequel of that. He's like, they're going to. They have to. I'm like, that movie was six years ago. And you're the only person I've ever talked to about it since it opened. That movie's never going to get a sequel. Like, that happens all the time. But this, this is fucking different. They're, they're having the original filmmaker and cast and editors and CGI come back and change the movie. They're taking out the guy that the studio brought in to finish it. They're taking his stuff out. Like, this is, this is precedent sending. This is like, this means that down the line, what, that Disney may break one day too. What, who's to say that down the line they don't make a movie and they're like, you know what? Let's bring the guy back in. Let's bring the production was weird. Let's have everyone because the fans want it. Why not? And it's not even that large of a fan fan base that wants the Snyder cut. And it's only Snyder that's giving it to them because he has the money and has made the deal with the studio saying that you can get a profit from this from this very loud fan base. And maybe he will, but I don't think they're going to make as much money as Zack Snyder is telling them they're going to make. But I do think that the one person who's listening to that crowd is Zack Snyder more than anyone else. He's the one making this happen. So, 
it's just precedent setting. I keep saying that, and I keep saying it wrong, but it's like, <laughs> it's, this is a big deal. This has never happened before. There are director's cuts, sure, but like they're putting an insane amount of money into making this thirty again. million dollars. An insane amount of money that they could use to help people in other countries, considering what the world is going through right now, to make or make something better. Make something better with someone who doesn't have a future of making shit. I would love it. That would be much more appropriate to me. Like, you could make four low-budget Kevin Smith movies with that. Jesus. Like, I, I don't <laughs> wrap my head around that. I was just reading an article about a guy who made two movies over the last 20 years, and both of them, like, shake me to the core. One was called Primer, and the other one was called Upstream Color. And they're amazing. And he just made an interview, and they're like, we heard you're going to quit filmmaking. He's like, yeah, screw this business. This business sucks. You want to make something creative? Fine. If you don't, you have to hustle. And you have to like make superhero. Like, one, there's only one percent of the stuff that comes out there is good. And yeah, he sounded kind of pretentious, but he's not wrong. We're throwing thirty million dollars at a movie, and a movie series that was wrong-headed to begin with, because there's a fan base on the internet that won't shut the hell up about it. It's super weird to me. Like, for people to ask for a second solo isn't weird to me because that movie isn't terrible, and could possibly be better if they made a sequel. That world would be more... Let's, who's to say that it wouldn't be? Like, Parks and Rec is one of the best shows ever, but a two-season before it found its footing. This is different, man. This is... This is... Uh, I. It scares me. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. How a studio cannot notice they lost money because of this guy? They literally lost so much money. They lost Ben Affleck. They lost money with this guy. And they're throwing $30 million more at him to get a super small group of people. I, I don't get it. That's life, man. Oh, God, I feel so stupid. All right. Um, oh, asking for a second solo movie? No, it's like, I, I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. No, seriously, they're doing a hashtag tomorrow Han Solo come. They're having a day. Hashtag make solo two happen. They are actually going to do this. They did it last year. Do you not? Do you not want a solo too? I don't care. I don't. Why care. not? Don't you want another don't. movie to try and make that one better? I, I didn't care for solo. I know you didn't, but like, it, yes. you, you've seen yeah. bad movies before. You yes. know there's worse stuff out there. You uh -huh. know that like there are worse Star Wars movies out there than this. Yes. Why wouldn't you want the opportunity to see this get better? What if you could like? Why not? Just not. Uh, Chris, uh, I don't know. Okay, Chris, Chris, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. What did I say five it's minutes okay. ago? It's okay. I don't even want to know. It's probably something stupid. No, Chris, uh, I'm got losing my mind. Man, both of you are just like really sensitive today. Okay, like I, Chris, you can't feel bad for having an opinion on your opinion-based film podcast. With somebody else who may have a different opinion than you, that's the point. And we're just talking this stuff out. But also, I find it interesting about your solo opinions because we never did an app on solo. We never even really did. We didn't that do a whole two. episode on solo. We never did one, but also we didn't even do that long of one when the movie came out. And like, I've continued to wonder what your thoughts about it are since it's come out. Because okay. It's been because it's something to talk about, fine. I thought it was all right. Nothing like it was. It was okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like it was just fine. I guess it just wasn't like 
the, the like spectacular like spec like the spectacle of Star Wars. My eye, sorry, hold on. Um, I, like I was like uh like lower scale like more focused like um what's the word I'm looking for like downscaled like it's not like a big like spectacular thing like Rogue One was or any of the Skywalker movies like something like lower scale like character based it's just this tiny little pocket of the galaxy it doesn't have any giant like implications on what happens on the galaxy's its own refined story that I guess I could say that it played a part in my assessment of it because that's not something I'm used to with Star Wars. And now they're not going to do anything for at least another two years. And if people are to be believed, they won't do anything for another 10. They, they don't, nobody wants them to do anything for another 10 years, which is absurd and personally unwanted. But, like, um, I just like, like, plus, why are we getting, I was questioning this from the beginning, like, why are we getting a Han Solo origin movie the cantina scene in episode four was all that we needed just to Mm -hmm. like like why did we get that just for splurging like i didn't entirely get that nor wanted that so i went in there with like okay have you ever read a book about han solo yes i have i have who do you think you're talking to well, who do you, you think enjoy- you are talking to? <laughs> okay, well then, who do you think you're talking to, Chris? Where am I going with this? If you read those books, if you enjoyed them, and you know that a good Han Solo story exists in this world, why would you not want to see one on screen if it's good? I don't freaking know. Okay, I'm fine. I'll, I'll That's what I'm saying. No, I, 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 I hear your argument that they didn't need to make one. I agree. But then they made one. So then our next hope is that it's good. If they casted a better guy, if the story was better, if it was what you wanted, you would want another one. You'd want more. So that's the thing. Like, we're beyond the point of they shouldn't have made one. They did, and now it's this fart that's hanging in the wind. And the only way to fix farts that are hanging in the wind is you make another movie that makes them better. Like, in my opinion, one of the best examples of a sequel round is Dark Knight, right? Hold on. Fart in the wind. Hold on. Like, okay. Like, somebody actually farted, and the only way to get rid of the smell was to make a $30 million movie. <laughs> or bottle it up, but I like your idea better. <laughs> uh, but, but like, when I, whenever I see Batman begin, I'm like, this is an okay movie. It's really smart, and I like it more than other people. But as a movie movie, it's kind of okay. And, you know, I never really cared about getting a sequel to that. I really didn't expect one to come. I was like, okay, this is just a normal Batman movie. It's pretty good. I like Christopher Nolan. Maybe he'll make other stuff, whatever. And I didn't care. And then Dark Knight came in. It was one of the best movies I saw that year. So all I'm saying is, why not? If the movie wasn't terrible, if the guy wasn't the worst, if Donald Glover is in your movie, like, come on. If you have Amelia Clark, like, these are good people. These are characters you could take somewhere. Like, why not? If you if you can make it better, you can have someone come in and be like, that movie had problems in production, and the they, problems they had 
the, the thing. The they had someone better, too. They had two people better. But now we understand where they messed up. That's the thing. This, again, I'm going to get into that with tonight. Like, that, okay. that's, that stuff can succeed. But okay, like, so... Yeah, I ahead. don't know why, really. I guess... Would you say, Star Wars movie, you expect this grand spectacle... But now we've got now we're now, then you get solo two, which is more of a ground grounded, grounded um like story Mandalorian. and more like focused. It doesn't have any grand implications and it isn't this giant thing that'll be told by like our great well, uh, Exact that's my thing. Like it was there was an element to it that was jarring. Just the like to that that was jarring and the fact that it came out the same month as infinity war well that's unfair to compare it to that yes but like just like i thought it was I, just, when i watched it i'm like okay like this is so what, did I. I thought okay okay so it's I. not it's not the it's not the pocket of star wars that i want to explore how about that it's not. Um, it's not the. It's not the era of Star Wars that I really want to, like, go into. Really, like. All right. Okay. I I hear that. Who is rambling shit? Not me. I am. I am. I'm trying okay. to get something done. Sorry. Okay. So, I'm sorry. No, it's my fault. Uh, I understand what you're saying because I said the same thing about Clone Wars. I was like, Clone Wars is not something I care about. I don't care about those wars. I care about the stuff that happens after. And then all of a sudden there's a massive TV show with an ending that everyone freaking loves and everyone's telling me to watch it. So who knows, man? Yeah. Just... But now that we're like, oh, man. <laughs> I hate fandom. Okay. Chris, so the only thing I have to say to respond to all of you about all that is this. Are you ready? Oh God. King oh, God. <laughs> okay. King I thought he was Char actually gonna fart in his microphone, because that would have been a great joke. Um <laughs> I thought he was gonna offer to rub your head. Oh yeah, I can do that. Grace, <laughs> you want uh, me to rub your scalp? Are you an Alex's <laughs> Guys, that's not weed. Those are oak leaves. I'm sorry. My last name means oak tree, so I get confused. <laughs> it does. Dark is a shark. Oh, really? Yeah, Robles means oak tree in Panamanian. Okay. C Chris, Chris, King Shark is a shark. Uh, okay. okay. So now, we're going, now we're going off the deep end here. Okay, so... Uh, the, I, I, I'm just interested in your thoughts about Solo in general. I don't care about Solo either. I don't care if they make another one. But to be honest, I would be, I would be pro. But here's the thing. And, and I'd be positive they did because I feel like that cast was not bad. And I feel like the lead sure. guy has grown on me over time. And I think that the opportunities that that kind of fun, heist-driven movie could have offered were there for sure. And... If we had gotten Phil, Phil and Miller, uh, if we got Lord of Miller's idea, maybe we all be okay. sitting here saying a different tune about an era that nobody of us really wanted or cared about anyway. But like, I'm with you, man. I don't care if they make another one. I don't. Right. I'm not that invested in it. But I do feel bad about the people who made it. I do feel like Donald Glover deserves a chance to continue to play Lando. I deserve. The, I think the guy who played um, Solo in the first place is great, and I love 
Amelia Clark. She has gotten shafted in almost every decision she's making. It's like, I feel so bad. She's the sweetest, nicest, like, genuinely charming person, and I want her to succeed. She's, Amelia Clark is great, and okay. she doesn't deserve anything that happens to her. And Chris, if you don't know the story of what, what happened to Amelia Clark during Game of Thrones, like, I do. You know that she got. Like <laughs> it was all over. No, I get it. How can you like, avoid it? Well, you didn't watch the show, but also like her character got written horribly at the very end of it too. And I like, like listen, listen. I avoided yeah. all the hate from Game of Thrones for a reason. Okay, uh, that's flashbacks. I'm not gonna go deep right. on it because there's no flashbacks. Reason. There's no there's no reason to go deep on it at the end of the day. The, the point of the fact is, at the end of the day, Amelia Clark has been done dirty a lot. Despite, despite okay. how nice and how wonderful and how charming she is, she has been done dirty a little too many times. So, what I'm saying, okay, so let me just say this too. Yes, I have read Han Solo, like, spinoff books. I have. Yeah. Never an origin story, and I don't think one exists. Actually, never mind. Don't quote me on that. Um, so if the next one wouldn't be... I one. never really needed an origin, an origin story from him. Like, I enjoyed the spinoff books, yes. But, like, an origin story, I was never for. Like, I it was like, you know... So I was just like, I wasn't interested to begin with, and I went in because, okay, it's Star Wars. Let me just give this a shot. And I just was like, okay, it's okay. Like, I didn't need it, but okay, fine. Okay, cool. That's fair. That's fair. I think that's a good point. What you don't need is uh, an introduction to Solo. However, if they made another movie, they wouldn't need that. It would just stand on its own as a solo story. Now, well, you don't need to watch the first one anymore. Let's just say this thing could stand on its own as a sequel now, since you got that crap out of the way. Like, P- like Peter Parker's uh, origin story. We don't need that again. The, the also the fun thing is is now that we have this story, this solo story, they can have a much more fun Crimson Dawn story. They can do a Darth Maul story if they want to, because they do have an era, a point where we don't know what happened to him. We know that something happened between Rebels and Solo that got him to Malachor, I believe. But here's the thing with me with Star Wars right now. Yeah, we went from Zack Snyder to Star Wars. If he so help me, God makes a Star Wars movie anyway. So. They will never um, give that man a Star Wars movie ever. They will so, never ever ever give that man a Star Wars movie. Anyway, um, like they have explored the Arab, the dark time between Episode Three and Episode Four a lot, yeah. and I'm quite frankly sick of it. Um, and so I'm one of the very few people who wants them to go forward, like past Episode Nine. But apparently now they're going a thousand years before Phantom Menace. Yep. They're too afraid of the future, for sure. Too afraid of the future. They like inevitability and comfort. It sucks. I'm depressed. Where's the, my bottle of bleach? Um, so, okay. Snyder Cut. It's a thing. It's going to happen. I'm going to laugh. So let's talk about Dread. Dread. Carl Urban. And more specifically, let's talk about Fallout. <laughs> This one, yeah, the fallout connected to this. It's not the most specific thing we're going to talk about. But, well, it's a plot point for the whole movie. We, we, we're getting into it. Let's, we can talk a little bit about the history of Dread, and then we can talk about its connection to Fallout, and then we can talk a little bit about what we thought about the movie and about other stuff. <laughs> More specifically, Fallout. 
Well, no, we're going to talk about Lena Headey probably a bit today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mission, I, Mission I, Impossible Fallout. I love that movie. I had to look into something, uh, or if he could, like, if he had some thoughts about some as, uh, the uh, that aspect of the film. Yeah, I I have a couple. I again, I'm not as familiar with that part of that game because when I actually played Fallout Four, I didn't use it. <laughs> so anyway, so I had to I had to look into some other stuff. But okay, yeah. so so I'm going to start out with the first most important question about tonight. Have any of you guys seen the 1995 Judge Red? No. No, I only remember the part. Somebody clipped it in a in a essay that I watched one time, and it was just Sylvester Stallone screaming, "I am the law! I am the law! I am the <laughs> That's all I yeah, know. That's frankly all I need to know. He's not the only one who does that, and he's not the one who screams it the best in that movie. But he does scream, "I am the law!" Yeah, pretty stupid. Yeah. Yeah, he said. Well, he says it to the end to this bad guy. He's like, "I am the law," and the guy goes, "Law!" It's super funny. Um. Uh. So, <laughs> I highly suggest it. It's really dumb. It's a good afternoon movie. It's not a good movie, but it is really fun to watch. It's like, have you ever seen Demolition Man? Yes. Uh, default answer. What? Default answer. Assume no, unless he says otherwise. Okay. Um, so no, but uh, they're they're like mid '90s sci-fi, huge set piece kind of things. They like it's it, it's sort of. Have you ever seen Total Recall? Bits and pieces of both. Okay, so Total Recall had a look about it in terms of what it's like sci-fi world was. The 90s um, had, I would say, Demolition Man and Judge Dredd, both Sylvester Stallone movies, take that mantle. They take that kind of look and style of what they think the sci-fi world is, and they follow up on it. But they're just, like, cheesy looking. It's huge outfits, big co- big costumes, big set pieces. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, but it didn't take the material seriously. So this is based off a comic from the U.K., and the whole point of the comic is that it's satire. Like he's not—he's not really a hero. He's a product of a system that doesn't work. And throughout the comics, he slowly, glacier-like, discovers that this is something that needs to change, or that he needs to change in order uh, to make his life have purpose. And they wanted to follow that in the movie. So, like, this movie is a satire, and his arc is really glacier-like, but it's basically a day in the life of dread rather than being one of the big stories in the comics. And the whole thing was thought up by Alex Garland. Alex Garland is the writer and the producer of the film. He wrote 28 Days Later. He would go on to make and write and direct Ex Machina. He wrote Sunshine with Danny Boyle. In fact, his work with Danny Boyle is really important to how he would go on to make other stuff. But now he's got devs on FX. He is, he is basically the overseer of his own work, but he is one of the most important sci-fi writers of the past 20 years. He's written some of the best. And um, he really wanted to make this. So in 2006, he got the rights. He wrote a script. He, uh, he is the one that backed the design of the slow-mo in the first place. He got together with CGI artists, and they are the ones that um, worked all the way up until 2010 to perfect it. He's also the one who wrote, who drew the sketches for how the world would look. 
he's the, like the opening shot of the movie is, is based off one of his sketches. So he's, he's basically the overseer of this entire project. They eventually get the rights and they shoot in South Africa and they get uh, a director. Um, I'm trying to think, I just think it was Pete Travis. Confirmed, uh, Pete Travis. Pete Travis. So Pete Travis is a British filmmaker. He's been around for years. Um, and he got his first big break in the U.S. with a movie called Vanishing Point. Um, Vantage Point. I'm sorry, Vantage Point. <laughs> Not the car movie. Vantage Point. Um, and it's a movie about um, a, a terrorist attack that happens and the different perspectives of people that um, help to find out who did it. So it stars like Dennis Quaid and Forrest Whitaker and Weaver, some great people in it. Uh, and it's a pretty solid movie based on its editing. So as I was as I was stepping into this, I was like, Alex Garland Whitten produced his idea. This director, really good with editing. Uh, let's start this movie. And I started it, and I was like, this is incredibly violent. This looks very interesting. And there are some, there's a lot of things that are being taken visually from other ideas that don't look anything like Pete Travis. So I was like, what happened here? And I looked it up, and it turns out that Alex Garland was on set every single day. He was overdoing the shoot, and him and Travis would have complications all the time. So much so that by the end, the studio backed Garland, and they didn't even allow Travis to edit this. Garland was the one who edited it. They kicked, tra they fired Travis from the edit. And then, because it got out, they both got together and said, Travis is the one that shot everything, and, but Alex is the one that's going to edit. He's the producer. And we're going to give Travis the director's uh, um, credit because uh, Garland had never directed anything. So he's not, he was like, he wasn't going to fight with the DGA. He was just going to take his writer's credit and executive producer and walk away. And hopefully when the other movies came, he could cut his teeth on that too. But overall, this, like, and then later in about, I think a few years ago, like 2000, like maybe 2007, 17, I mean, Keith Urban came out and he's like, no, Alex Garland basically made this. This is basically Alex Garland's first movie. He directed this. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. And you start to see the influence from Danny Boyle in the work. You start to see why the slow-mo is being used. It's not being used because it's visually interesting. It's also tells the story. Each scene it happens in is important for either will, will, world-building, character, or plot. And there are, there are other things you notice, like the scene where the guys come in and shoot all the guards and the way they fall. It's like, hmm, that looks a lot like something. And I was like, Inglorious Bastards. And Inglorious Bastards had just come out. And then I was like, this, this doesn't really copy uh, the Raid Redemption, but there are moments and shots that are pretty much taken from Raid Redemption. I was and about to say, for like, my God. The, at they're, the beginning, certainly. No, they're making an American version of the Raid Redemption. This is it. Hi guys. This is the American version. Just like Godzilla. Just like Godzilla back in 1954 that we walked over last week. Like, this is the American... This is like the, like a Western version of that. Okay? I, Big hulking guy. Hardly gets damaged right up until the end. He's got a badass blonde um, walk, kicking ass with them. Um, and... Like, it's like, and like, yeah, I was just like, this is the, and they're going through a several story apartment building that is completely ghetto. And yeah, it's 
like the Raid Redemption, but westernized. Well, here's the thing. I, I, I see what you're saying, and I don't think those comparisons are stupid. I think they're, they're literal shots and moments taken from them, for sure. Okay. But I don't think... That's as far as I took it, though. I mean, like, I don't think that story-wise they're the same, because I feel like in Raid, it, it's all about the kung fu and the action. Whereas in this movie, it took a while, but I eventually started to see what it was actually saying. It's actually trying to say things in this movie through what they're going through. And it's more like of a thematic goal all around. And I think they succeed, but I think it's super subtle. And that's, this is more of a sci-fi movie that I gave it credit for when I was walking in. Whereas, like, I, I would think the first half an hour of this takes elements from the raid for sure. They go in somebody else's apartment. They help them out. There's uh, keyhole looks that look exactly like the hallways look the same. Doors are red. Kid running down the hallway in slow mo. The the bad guy talking over an intercom, telling everyone to go do it as people in their apartments are getting prepared. Like it's all taken from the rape. But the moment she gets to the apartment and asks for help, like that happens. Oops! Turns out she shot that woman's husband to death. Then you're like, oh, oh, that's crazy. And then you start to see the violence in the movie. And it is a lot like The Raid, but they're really saying something with the violence in this movie. When that guy gets hit by the truck in the beginning, I was like, damn, that is ruthless. And then the guy, like, and then the people getting thrown from the ground, uh, from the, from the uh, balcony that are put on the drug and then skinned. And then you see his skull on the ground and it's like just mush. And you're like, this is insane. This is <laughs> yes. I was like, I love it. I'm all about it, but at the same time, I was like, they're saying something with this. The Raid was about being gross, but the Raid 2, this is the violence that you see in Raid 2, not Raid 1. Raid 1 has violence in it, but it's not this gross and disturbing. Like They're really trying to say something here. I'm very interested when they make the Raid, because the whole point of the Raid is the action. It's the ballet and the dance of these guys fighting. It's the ingenious moments of pairing that with gunplay and grenades and wounds that explode and trying to take a hammer downstairs. Like, those are about the set pieces. This has some set pieces, sure, but it really is about this world and how these judges are viewed in it, how they view themselves. And that's why the blonde woman is there. That's why Olivia Thurlby is there and what she goes through and how she experiences it. So I, I feel like this has way more to say as a sci-fi movie than Raid. And I also feel like at a certain point, this is like, we can't be the Raid. But they took all the pieces of atmosphere from it that I also think make the Raid really good. But um, it's also kind of like Die Hard or any Under Siege movie a little bit. A little bit like Speed to somewhat. Um, but the, I just was noticing all these director flares. And these weren't like new ideas, but they were passionate uh, homages, I think, um, homages to these other movies that were coming out recently. And I was like, yeah, no, that that seems like Garland. And then I watched a couple episodes of Debs and I was like, yeah, OK, yeah, the, to see where that Alex Garland came from. This is a director to that. Miles difference in terms of uh, craft, but still you can see those elements there. So, yeah, you like it's interesting to me that if you take a movie away from a director and their vision away and then somebody steps in who has the right vision and who has been there since day one and knows what they're doing, this is the kind of movie you can get. Kind of like Garland wouldn't have shot it this way, but he did edit it in a way that would 
complement how he would shoot movies later. And that takes a lot of skill and craft. Um, Travis, I think, has made one or two movies since that I like, but none of them are comparable to style in terms of this. So this is not his movie. This is Alex Garland's movie, for sure. Hmm. It didn't do very well. <laughs> that I, Actually, that um, I know. Well, the reason it didn't do well is because marketing was like, we're going to make this a 3D movie. And we're going to... Oh. And it wasn't really shot that way. It's just that the slow-mo is really cool. And they were like, oh, well, we'll put it in 3D because the slow-mo is cool. And he's like, well, then you're just taking away... You're, 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 making, you're putting a stigma on this movie that I don't want. And they did it anyway, and so it did not do very well. And they've 2012, never... yep, that sounds about right. Yes, there are a lot of other... Um, I think Drive, Drive Angry 3D came out that year, too. It was all just in response to Avatar. Um, so, yeah, uh, this didn't do well because of that, probably the most... People didn't know what to do with it. And then I looked at some of the reviews when it came out, and um, most of them are pretty good. Most of them are pretty positive about it. But the one I thought that was the most interesting is from a place called AV Club. And AV Club was a pretty nerdy, prominent, oriented place. I go to that place to hear reviews. I don't always agree with them, but I do think that they approach things in interesting ways. I do think that the, cut, the discussion is interesting. And they gave this a D plus, And he, like, crapped all over it. And he had no real idea of what went into making this movie or who actually made it and i was like you and then i started reading the comments and there's a lot of people who didn't give it a shot either and then i went years later to an article called keith urban wants this movie to have a sequel in like 2016 at the same site i looked at the same comment section and it was probably about 70 percent of people were like i loved that movie i thought it was really really good i'd love a sequel and uh, the other half being people were like that movie's stupid and they're like have you seen it and they'd be like no and they're like well then you don't know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> so this movie has a pretty decent cult following i actually do think it works thematically in its sense of like this system doesn't work this idea of judge, jury, executioner doesn't work. It takes empathy out of the equation. It takes human condition out of the equation. And that, if that doesn't do anything, it just they have they help 6% of, that, of the crime rate every day. None of this matters. Him killing Mama doesn't matter. It's going to start a gang war in that building, and more people are going to die. There's going to be a power vacuum, and it's just going to get worse. This movie ultimately is very nihilistic, except for the sense that she wants to make things better and he allows her to attempt to be within the system and try to change it from there which everyone knows is super freaking hard to do when you look at that many buildings in that big of a city in a world that's already cut off half of its most important people and and left them to die in a world of like they call it the the scorched earth the burned earth something like that like those people are just left how do you change that society? How can one person make a difference there? But that's what the movie's about. At the very end, it's about Dredd realizing, yeah, okay, maybe you can learn. Maybe you can empathize with someone and not be so strict and go by the rules. Because he, he only goes by the rules and that's it. He is a tool in this system and that's it. He's not a human. That's why he never takes off his mask. And I think they bring that point across pretty well, overall. That's the story of Dread. Yeah, it's kind of hard for Carl Urban to uphold the law with that handsome face. Anyway, um... <laughs> so Chris, what did you think? We've been seeing. Oh, this okay. Yeah, yeah, this I'll... is this has been on 
the Goodwill since I believe the beginning. Yes. And we're then, just going. We're just going through all the old ones. I know. Like, um, because hindsight is twenty twenty, and so is hell. Um. <laughs> Good one. So, so okay. Talk- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry, I had to laugh about that one. That was good. I laughed at my own joke. Um, it doesn't live in New York City right now. Right. Um, gosh, this. Okay, so this was on the Goodwill for a long time. Then you, then you were. Okay, no. Um. Then. Did we do Treasure Planet over this, yes. right? Yeah. Okay, and then we yeah. moved this to the Curiosity Wheel. This birthed the creation of the Curiosity Wheel for me. Yes. Just in Ready to Rumble. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I love it when that movie's always referenced. Um, that was a dark time. <laughs> I love it. I know. I want to do Varsity Blues. Like, I want that director back on here, for sure. Okay. Um, gosh, this movie was, like, really weird. It's like, I figured it was like, okay, this is pretty good. Like, overall, I think it was pretty good. It's just like, there was, now that you're mentioning that, like, this movie had something to say, like, now I totally see it. You got these, like, these Generic faceless people upholding a law that clearly doesn't work, clearly isn't working, and you've got Olivia Thurlby, where I swear I've seen her in a movie somewhere, and I looked through her filmography, and none of those movies I've seen, so it's really pissing me off. Um, I think she's really good in this. She's also good in movies like Juno and The Wackness. Um, and I, <clears throat> I, I, I honestly think she's pretty cute. But outside of that, I think it's really interesting to have a character like this who has no romantic interest and who's very yes. tough, who has her own side story, her own way out of scrapes, who helps the hero. Like, this is a really kind of perfect female character outside of the fact that she, you know, is just kind of really small in a world where obviously they have big male judges. It kind of seems weird outside of the fact that she has her, her uh, ability to read yes. lines. So... And so all these, like, these faceless people upholding a law that doesn't work and is really, really, really strict and brutal. Um, and you've got Olivia Thurlby, and she's about to storm, they're about to go, they're about to go into the uh, complex, and they're like, and he's like, you don't have your helmet on. And she's like, yeah, it's hard for me to read people it's hard for me to read people with a helmet on it's like it, and he's like it's harder to it's hard it's like it should be harder because it's, it'd be harder to read people's minds when there's a bullet in it and yours uh and i'm like and then when you brought that up i immediately thought of that scene i'm like that's it like that's what like, like there it is right there this is like she has a face she's as human as anybody else exactly. and yeah like she's in this system trying to make a difference and everybody is like just yeah. So now it's slowly yeah. getting better. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, realizing started, it now. She's totally starting to bring some humanity in. But there's one thing that I thought about. It took some time too. I was like, 
Well, the, one of the things I thought was weird is if she is psychic and she's so psychic that she can read thoughts like that of a guy through a wall and through his helmet on the other side of the room, why are you putting this woman through battle? Why are you putting her in a situation where she could get shot? Why aren't you putting her in a room with like people who you need to read minds? And then I was like, well, then she could read your mind and then she's super powerful. And I'm like, you need to keep that chicken's check. And then I was like, oh, okay. So my guess is they, instead of letting her grow up in a slum like these, where she could grow to be a, a like crime lord or enemy against the system like Mama, who has a legit reason to not enjoy the system and can be controlling the way she is because of her traumatic experiences in it. Like, what if, what if Olivia Thurlby worked against the system and like gathered all these people? Like, no, the system looks at a girl like that with those powers and like, we're going to take that. We're going to take that out of that slum and we're going to give it a good life and we're going to make it a cop and we're going to like put her in situations where if she does get shot in the head, oops, who cares? Good. She's not going to read our minds later. Like, and then you realize, oh my God, like this system really is way just not about the people at all. Um, so there was that. I couldn't stop thinking about the raid too. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that imagery is there, but once you get to moments where, like, she's shooting an entire floor up with a mini machine gun, or even just the people uh, falling from the uh, the top of the tower and then landing on the ground and all that stuff, like, that, that to me is its own thing. But it is, it is inescapable. There is straightaway um, imagery from the raid in this. Absolutely, 110%. You can't escape it. And, um... So honestly, I had an interesting thought when I was thinking about this. So this, I mean, this ties into what I was just saying. It was just like so it was like uh, during it was like um, halfway through. Um, I was having a thought of like, wait a minute, like it made me think about like who the real like protagonist is, and like um, so. You've got two people. One's a faceless person who's trying to like uphold the law by following the rules, and then there's this other person who's up and coming. And um, is also like he's trying to make a difference in a world where that's really hard to do. Um, but ah, dang, lost my words. Um, and I was thinking about like this movie has a odd way of following its protagonists like i don't think this movie really like it's like um so like if the, if dread is the main character right but olivia thurlby is the protagonist you know i think i think they both are they're parallel to each other the, they change each other it's called dread just, yes because it's a day in the life of his life she enters right. his life you begin the story with him killing people on the road first and doing his job first and chasing the guy to that building. We see him do his job. She walks into it, sees his world. She's the audience surrogate, mostly. Because ah. we don't know much about him. But yes, you're right. Their stories, once she enters, they follow each other straight away. One does not go above the other. They are equal from that point right. on. It is so... technically, Dred's, technically Dred's movie, but she, it, because Dredd is not much of a character, she has to come in and be the audience surrogate. Right. Okay. You need to understand okay. The world and Dredd does not. 
Okay, that makes that actually makes it easier to easier to understand because I was having a hard time with juxtapositioning. I was just like, okay, who do they want me to follow here? Like, who's like, I was telling, I got, to, I guess I got taken off guard because like, um, you're so used to them following the people following the titular character, <laughs> um, and like. And I was just like, okay, she's just okay. She's a sidekick. It's like, no, wait a minute. There's something going on here. He's too ruthless. Like, there's a disconnect here. But then you see the empathy that she has. And I'm like, is she supposed to be the protagonist? But she's not featured like solely. And I was just like, okay, that so that kind of took me off guard a little bit. It doesn't detract from the movie. I was just like, okay, whoa. Um, no, it's but it can it can seem confusing when the movie's called Dread. You don't know anything about him. You see him and you're like, this isn't a likable guy. He's in fact, to a certain degrees, no different than Mama. He throws he throws his victims off buildings too. Like he he does the same sort of threats. Like he sent he does that to send a message. That's exactly why she did it. Like he's no different. But he does change by the end of this movie. And that's that is, in my opinion, the most important thing about this world and what it seems like the comics in general is that someone who believes in this can you can change a system. If he represents the system, you can change it incrementally, small amounts, but you can change it a little bit at a time. And uh, that I truly believe is the importance of his character, especially if we got more movies and for her to walk in and be the empathetic role that we as people respond to um or as the audience respond to makes sense too but they have a they had a choice to tell this kind of storytelling to make this kind of thematic point either a it's about dread and it's about mama or it's about dread and it's about the partner anderson but they had to make a choice because they i guess they felt they couldn't do all three which honestly if you added a half an hour to this movie you could have because that's my biggest problem they needed to spend more time with Mama. Yeah, it's As 90 a, minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's actually the exact same amount of time as the 1995 Dread, which I thought was funny. Um, but, <laughs> That's a lot of effort for an Easter egg, okay? <laughs> I, I see the odds to me, but there you go. Um, but yeah, like, I think that's probably the biggest problem. I do like Lena Headley in it, and I do think she's good. And I think I thought she I thought she was Sharon Stone for like the longest time. I was like, there's no way that's the same person. Uh, she kind of looks like Sharon Stone a little bit, especially nowadays. But um, no, Lena Headley, that is Cersei from Game of Thrones. Chris, you might know her better that she dated Pedro Pascal for like four years too. Why would I care about that? Why would Pedro Pascal's the lead of the Mandalorian? That's not that's not a line that I. I don't draw. I don't draw that line, you know. It's like, oh, this is okay. So she is the girlfriend to the guy, the ex-girlfriend to the guy who plays the Mandalorian. That's not a thread. That's not. I mean, they were both in Game guess. of Thrones together. Would... That's, how they, that's how they ended up dating. <laughs> yeah, he was in Game of Thrones for sure. Um, yeah, I would not know her because I wouldn't not know her because she dated. Used to, she used to date the guy who yeah. played Mandalorian. That doesn't make like Chris isn't whatever. a gossip kind of guy. <laughs> I know. Um, I am. Okay, I, so, I think it's hilarious. So Zach, what did you think of this? Uh, so I told Chris this before he came. I said the minute I watched this movie, I was like, that 
I'm so not surprised that Chris suggested this movie. <laughs> I did. And he, Chris has never seen it. Wait, wait, wait. So you suggested this movie? Yeah, because I had just gotten a Blu-ray copy and I wanted to watch it. And I was like, you know what? I'll put it on the wheel and wait. Off the hook. Boom. You don't know me. All right, whatever. It's fun. Boom. Uh, I'll take that, dummy. Anyways, when I saw it, I didn't seem that surprised. I assume Chris suggested I, was, I wasn't that surprised at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... <laughs> Else. Salty today. Um, I um, passed that. I mean, it's a fun action movie. It, I'm not surprised by it. Like, it. Um, at the end of the day, I, did, I thought Lena Headey was great, and I wanted more of her because she's a great actress, and I love seeing her and everything she does. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, it's a movie. I literally watched it. Like, 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 <laughs> uh, no, come on, dude. Like any any scene you like? Did you like anyone? Um, I thought the like slow mo stuff where they showed like like the first time we saw Lena Headey where she was in the bathtub mm-hmm. and she like pulled up her hand in slow mo and had like that water. I'm like, this scene is going on for so long, but it's so pretty. I, don't I thought know. like legit. I thought Gavin Free from Slow Mo Guys. Uh, shot most of this slow. Yeah, I would not not have like been surprised. It, it felt like it went on for about a minute too long, but like at the same time, like this is so fucking pretty to look at this, and mm-hmm. I I just don't know how to feel. I, I don't know. Like I watched it this afternoon before I went to dinner, and I was like, oh, it's a movie. I I still haven't. I don't think I've even still fully processed it to be honest. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's a movie oh i will say i did like the soundtrack despite my um that i'm not surprised by no no no. like (laughs) i'm not really into electronica but like i really like the i really like the music of this movie it's pretty good yeah i agree i got for for a little bit i got some hardcore henry vibes just without the famous song without without the songs hardcore henry is a great soundtrack. Uh, totally, totally reminded me of that. Um, but I like the I like the little like um, atmospheric noises that they put in when the slow mo's happening. Oh yeah, it's really nice. It brings a lot of like atmosphere to it. Um, so yeah. The slow mo was uh, based off of the drug in the Fallout games, which Zach knows way better about than I do. Yeah. So it's based on a drug called Jet in the Fallout games. Um. <laughs> What are you laughing about, Chris? <laughs> they come up with the best names for drugs. Go on. I mean, it's 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 basically like the same thing. I mean, it does. It looks the same. It's inhaled the same. It. Do you have any jets today, man? Yeah, I shot up on jet last night. Uh, Chris, <laughs> it is kind of a dumb name. <laughs> anyway, go on. Let's not Fuck. make him mad again. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's a thing. I really didn't use it that much in Fallout 4. Like, it's, <laughs> well, no, because Fallout, everything in Fallout has, there's an upside and downside to everything. So the idea with Jet is if you use it too much, you get a bunch of debuffs and you don't get as much buffs from the drug anymore until you go to a doctor and you get yourself 
some, and I, I quote this because I, I need to remember exactly how it's called. It's called, uh, sorry, I just need to like read exactly how to. I was legit worried. I was like, wait, did you take like real jet? No, there's a, there's a, um, an antidote that you can take called, um, a dictol, I believe is what it's called. <laughs> Where the idea is that it cuts all things that you're addicted to at the time. That can include radiation, poisoning, jet, buff jet, uh, uh, rocket, uh, turbo, ultra jet. This cool. is so great. I mean, I mean I, I'm trying not to make fun of Dick Doll. That's all I'm like trying a, to do right now. But, okay, so, but there are different forms of the drug you're saying. Yeah, there's a bunch of different forms from all the games. I've only played Fallout 4 where you have buff jet, jet, psycho jet. Ultra Jet and Jet Fuel. Mm. Um, and I, it's it's like, in everything in Fallout, there's good and bad. E- even if you take, like, things that are initially good, you could get addicted to it, and then it has physical effects on your character, which can involve debuffs and all kinds of other stuff. Like You could get addicted uh, to drugs in Fallout. Yes, you can 100% get addicted to drugs that in Fallout. That sounds like a GTA thing. <laughs> no, dude, Chris, not going to lie, Fallout is all about 100 million times better than GTA. <laughs> in terms of drug abuse? No, in terms of everything. Like, it does everything you could pretty much do in GTA. <laughs> hard times better. I, that was really funny. Um, but, um, I don't play them enough to pick one, but I do like watching GTA videos more than I like watching Fallout videos. Okay. Well, Fallout, here's the thing about Fallout, and and the thing about Bethesda in general, is that Bethesda... Well, Chris, I asked him about Fallout. We're talking about Fallout. This this isn't even a back-to-build. We're actually just, like, talking about stuff. The thing about Fallout in general is that in Bethesda, the company that makes Fallout, is they can only do high fantasy in the form of the Elder Scrolls series, or they can do post-apocalyptic wasteland shit like they do in Fallout. Um... So, um, the irony is that Dread in general it has a lot of the same plot as Fallout, where Fallout takes place several hundred years in the future, where uh, the vast majority of the world has been demolished in a nuclear apocalypse, except for small sections of different parts of the, of the world that are habitable, and they also have settlements there. They're not super mega cities, but... There's stuff. So, like, Fallout 4, the one I play, takes place in a place called a Commonwealth, which is basically Boston, Massachusetts, and... Massachusetts. Did I say that wrong? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Boston, the the greater Boston area, and, uh, like, uh, ch- uh, sections of um, D.C. and New York. Whoa! Kind of the greater, uh, the greater East Coast, basically. Ah, okay. Ah. Just getting a lot of, a lot of static. You okay there, Chris? <laughs> I'm getting a lot of static. Hold on. Yeah, I can tell. Um, so I I really liked this. I thought this was, I think this perfectly defines the curiosity wheel to me. It's yes. not a per, it's not a great, perfect, classic movie, and it's not horrible. It's better than average. It deserves to be recognized. It's a it's a cult movie for sure, but I think it deserves to be more than that. Um, there are things that I would change about it. I would I would take away the side story with Anderson and the hostage because 
I mean, it does say a lot about her character. It does show how smart and, like, ingenuitive she is. In the face of a cruel world. In the face of a cruel world, but yes, in, like, she, you don't become a cop or you don't try to be a judge in this world unless you are tough. Like, unless you can handle yourself. She went through training. She is a cop. So, like, when she's smart enough to get in that guy's head and the first thing she does when that guy thinks that he can do stuff to her is give her his to give him her gun and let him shoot her with it and do nothing to plant the idea of, of taking her gun and shooting her with it so that later when he does actually do that, his hand blows up. That's pretty smart. That's a smart character movie. And that's there to let us know just how smart she is as a cop in an action movie. That's great. I love it. But also, if you're trying to hammer down home, uh, the like what kind of person Ma is and what she represents of the people I would have liked more from her. I would have liked more about her character, more about like the people she works with. They are scared of her, but like, how did she get this far? What is her place? Like, I wish they had spent more time with her. Either give another 30 minutes to the movie or another 20 minutes since it's just about 20 more minutes than it means. Or take out the side character with him because like he doesn't ultimately mean anything other than to showcase how cool Anderson is, which is fine. But since I love the thematics of this movie and I think they're just a little bit too subtle, um, I would have, they're like a magic guy. Once you see them, you can't unsee it. But I, I wish they were a little bit more on point. But yeah, like I, did, I wasn't thinking about the corruption of the judges and what Judge Dredd must have been thinking when he realizes that there are judges out there that can be bought. I didn't think what kind of effect that it would have on him because he doesn't show it because it's so glacier-like. And you're like, oh, damn, you know what? That's actually a really good idea. Like, I kind of wish I learned more about how Mama became the person she was and what kind of, like, like I don't, you don't even really get much from her henchman. He throws him off the thing and you're like, oh, he's gone. She really cared about him. But, like, that was her number two. And then you have Dom Hill Gleason. Dom Hill Gleason's back. I could not believe I saw him in this movie. I was like, wait a minute. No, that's not him. We just watched About Time. This guy's got range. Yes, he's got range. This guy's got range. Like, seriously. But this is also the role that would later give him the lead in Ex Machina. So he would totally take the relationship somewhere to, like, show that he does have range. For sure, yeah. I was, I thought he was really good in this. Uh... Legit afraid of Yeah. So, for me, for whatever reason, I was, like, um, I kept, like, checking out a little bit, because, like, um, that's the, th- that's the thing about this movie that I was really struggling to think about before we got on here. I was, like, why was I checking out? Like, there's some, like, there's some element that I was not, like, that kept, like, pulling me out, and I was, like, is because this movie just kind of is a bit humorless and not really very colorful, not from a visual standpoint, but like uh, yeah, that is true. It is very Daryl looking, and there aren't very a lot. There isn't a lot of levity. That is true. Yeah, there's and, not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of levity. And, I, and like, to bring to your to bring to your point about that still, but uh, Keith Urban was totally on character on set, one hundred and ten percent. Oh, you mean time. Carl Urban? Carl Urban, yes, I Carl Urban. You were talking about the country singer. <laughs> That's my fault. Oh my god! <laughs> you did that the whole time. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I said Keith Urban, more dread. 
<laughs> uh, I have a thank you, Thurman. That's hilarious. Uh, so Carl Urban, Carl Urban, stating character on set so much so that when someone cracked a joke on set, he just stared at them like dread, like he wasn't joking in this entire movie. So yeah, that may have like led on to set a little bit. That attitude. Um, there isn't a lot of character. There isn't a lot of color. There is beauty to this, but there isn't a lot of color. And you're and yeah, uh, there isn't any levity. Yeah, I was just like, okay, this is... I mean, I still had a good time. I thought it was visually interesting and told a good story. But I was just like, there's not a lot of levity that I can really, like, really get me into. I was like, okay. And then, so then I saw the uh, the medic guy when I first get there. I was like, this guy could be, like, the laid-back, chill kind of guy. But not as laid-back, because you still want to hit the tone that you're... Make the tone consistent. I was like... But you can have this guy be a little bit more charismatic. And I was going through my head like scenar- like scenarios and lines of dialogue of like, oh, this guy could totally be the like that little bit of um that little bit of levity. And it was just like, nope. It's like, dang it. So yeah, well, I was yeah. really Yeah. I agree. Low on levity. I was really I guess I was like not really for it. So otherwise, great time. Well, here's the thing. I that brings up an interesting question to me, which is, does a film need levity? That is, that is, that is actually a good for, for some for for you to connect to it. Yeah. So, like, considering this is an action movie, a little bit of levity can break the monotony. Considering what the film is trying to say and what the product is and what the comic is, this is what it is, and it doesn't have levity. It just doesn't. That's what it is. So you need. I think that's hard for someone not knowing what this product is or what they're expecting, walking into a movie and going, I'm here for a good time. And they're like, ah, this is about how institutionalized systems drain humanity and how moving them is glacier-like and changing things takes probably more than one person to sacrifice their entire lifetime to being earnest about what they believe in. So yeah, like that's not fun stuff <laughs> and it's incredibly <laughs> violent and gross and like, oh my God, I just saw just blow a brain up right now uh so yeah I, I do see what you're saying but that brings up one of the things that i always find most interesting about film which is that when people walk in not knowing what they're going to get that's a, that's a problem to me. and i i try to accept the film any film whatever it is the moment i start it if i'm confused i give it 30 minutes if i'm confused even after that 30 minutes maybe it's bad and i need to do some research but the film has always got something to bring to the table that i don't understand most people don't think that way. Most people are like, I want to go see a movie. So they'll go see a movie and they'll not think about it. I am a big proponent of know what you're getting yourself into. You may be watching a movie and then all of a sudden a nine-minute rape scene happens and you're like, oh my god, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know this was going to happen. And like, you should look into it. I remember um, at the movie theater and there were these two old women who went into a movie uh, called L. And it was this like foreign film that was nominated, and it was the middle of the afternoon. They're like, "We're gonna go see this foreign nominated. Oh, it's gonna be real good." And so I went to go clean it after another showing, and it was made by Paul Verhoeven, one of the most violent, sexually driven filmmakers of the nineties and nineties. And I looked into the movie L, and yeah, it's about a woman who falls in love with the man who rapes her. So yeah. It was a movie they should have looked into before they went to go see it because they did not have a good time. Many people walked out of that movie because they didn't know what it was. And I was like, it's Paul Verhoeven. How do you watch? Yeller. 
I mean, he made Starship Troopers, RoboCop, Basic Instinct, Showgirls. What did you think you were going to get? Know what you're getting into sometimes can help. However, with Dread, I can see someone being like, oh, it's going to be like the 1995 stupid uh, Stallone movie. I'm going to go watch that. And then they get something that is saying, that has something to say that is serious and not very positive and optimistic. It's it's like if you want to change the world, you got to do it incrementally at a time in a world that's probably not going to you know see the change you make at all. And I'm like, oh, that's that's disheartening. So yes, I do I do see what you're saying. I do think that for what it is, it's perfect in that sense. It doesn't need levity, and I don't want it. Um, I've seen levity because I've seen the Stallone one, and that's another thing. When you see the Stallone one, you're like, oh, they have Rob Schneider running around making quips in that movie. Yeah, they're trying to avoid something here. They're trying to hit the tone of the product, which doesn't have jokes. And then there's a product that exists with its name on it that is nothing but stupid jokes. And you're like, they, they probably went too far with the lack of levity to avoid the comparisons. But also, I don't think the product deserves it. So I like it for what it is, but I understand how people could walk in and be like, this left a kind of a nihilistic taste in my mouth that I didn't want in my action movie. For sure. So I can see that. Um, though that does... I, I like that point. And when I was thinking what you were saying, it's like, okay, that's also... Like, that's also shaky ground for franchise filmmaking. Because, like, look at The Last Jedi. Like, everybody thought, oh, it's going to be a sequel to The Force Awakens. That'll be totally consistent. It's like, nope, that didn't happen. Everybody got pissed. Yep. Because they didn't know that Ryan Johnson screws with the rules. Uh, yeah, they didn't know that he likes to subvert expectations. And to be honest, he had never really, he didn't really do that with all of his films up to that point. He had done that a, a couple times in his Breaking Bad apps, but Looper's probably the prime the biggest example where you start this sci-fi movie up a certain way and then halfway through you are at a barn and a farm with a woman and her child and it starts to calm down and get a little romantic and you're like, I didn't expect things to go this way, but it doesn't lose the meat of what it is. It doesn't lose its character and it just starts to tell a different story. People could have seen that coming that much, but I do think people should have walked into that movie and going, Brian Johnson made this? He makes really good stuff. This is probably not going to be poorly made. Maybe I might not agree with it. So when people walk away with that and they're like, that's one of the shittiest movies I've ever seen. I'm like, you don't know jack shit about movies. You just disagree with it. Like, it'd be like if a professor came in and made an argument against something you believe in. And you're like, that argument's shit. And you're like, no, the argument was really good. You just disagree with them. It was, it's a smart movie, and you're just not willing to look at it from a technical perspective. And that's not all. all this thing is... Bra- is- Okay. That. That's not me, because I can hear it. <laughs> what? It's okay, Alex. I think there might be something wrong with your jack. How's that? I think we're good. I think, yeah, we're fine. We're good. All right, continue. Are we? Are we? Are we, Zach? Are we? Anyway, go on, Zach. Go on, go on, Alex. Here, here, here. I think we're fine. Okay, good. All right, continue. So yeah, that's I. That's how I see it. Yeah, so... Yeah, it was just like... Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. It was like, um, for what it's... For what Dread is going for, that's great. Um, and, like... Yeah, I was like... I was missing... Personally, I was missing that levity, but I understood, like, the movie didn't... wasn't really going that direction. Like, if it had levity, it would... It, it wouldn't work very well. Or it would just be like off. 
Um, it wouldn't fit. In any other movie, Dom Hill-Gleason would have been the comedy relief, but instead he's the guy we sympathize the most with. Right. Um, so with all that being said, I'm leaning toward B-. minus. Though I think hmm. that's a little too harsh. I might go B. Because I don't think it... Because, like, the minus adds kind of, like, a bad... Like a, like a negative um, connotation Content. to it. So I might just go B and just leave it at that. I think this is a B as well. Um, I think it's better than average. And there are certainly things in it that I appreciate. I appreciate the slow-mo. I appreciate Carl Urban's performance. I appreciate the character of Anderson. I appreciate its thematics. Um, I appreciate it that it doesn't go a lot of cliched routes. I appreciate how tight it is. There's a lot of things that are like just super well done about this. But yeah, I, I think it lacks character in certain departments. I think Anderson is a good character, but we see a picture of her family. We never learn about what, what she went through when she was in here. We never learned about what she went through as a cadet or any of that because it's a day in the life of these people. So if you're not going to go into the characters of Dredd or Anderson, why not go into more into the character with Mama? And I was like, ah, we could probably could have used that. So if they had added a little bit more character to it, I think people would respond to it more. But I, I wouldn't change much about this. I just like it for what it is. Yeah. And of course, you put more money into it, tell a like a better version of this in a lot of other ways. But for what it is, I just think it's a good B. It's a, like a good solid movie that says more than it had to and sacrificed things to do so. And that's it. Just didn't compromise. That's the thing. Like you, the levity you're asking for is how we get Rob Schneider in a Judge Dredd movie. All we need is one. Person, <laughs> all we need is one executive to say, "Can we have a little bit more levity in it?" And you walk away with Stallone and taking off his mask and Rob Schneider joking around like an idiot. All it needs is that one little snowball to create, take a movie and turn it into something terrible. And they did not compromise once. And I love that. I do love that, and I respect it for that. Um, I don't think it's a B plus. I want more of it. Um, I think it needs a little bit more character. And yeah, there's some there's some scenes that could use a little bit more look to them rather than shot reverse shot. Um, so yeah, I think a B is pretty earnest. It's not a B plus, but it's it's a good B. Also, the gore is gnarly. Gore is super gnarly when he when he shoots the like. When he shoots the grenade from his gun, it just oh the missile from his gun, it just blows that guy's head up and then blows up the wall behind him. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> I like mine's a little less subtle than that. It was like, um Olivia Thirlby is escaping captivity from um Wood Harris. And he in no 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 she um she escapes. <laughs> because he, the gun blew up in his hand. He's, he just sits there in shock. Um, so she takes out these two guys. She puts a yeah. she puts some, some machine gun up to a guy's chin, fires, and then you can barely see it. But like, there's just this, there's just this like this gaping, like like sunflower hole in the man's head. Dude, that that is gnarly. You yes, barely see it. You, you barely see it. The head, they turn into a sunflower. I just did like, like it's just insane. It's insane. 
That's our what? trademark. It's insane. What's your favorite death, Zach? Oh man. Also, uh, Lena Headey's uh, death was pretty. Was actually pretty good. Hers was pretty good. Um, you know, it's probably got to be the hand. That 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 was that was crazy. <laughs> Him uh, just staring yeah. like ah! Like, ah yeah no it's like it's like everything you'd expect Luke Skywalker to do wide eyed drop dude wait what that'd be amazing <laughs> like if Luke the lightsaber exploded like, and <laughs> oh dad I know I can turn you to the light side I'll never turn to the light side all right <laughs> and then there goes my other hand. To get dad, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And um, boom! Like wide eyed, he drops his jaw. That, how how great would it be if every hand on that Jabba Hut ship just exploded at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> All in the same way too, just like massive explosions. Even even Leia's, and she's like, look, like like, and then like, and Han's just like, dude, are you are, are you okay? <laughs> You're gonna ask me again, or do you want to lose your chop arm? <laughs> Great. Um, I really like Lena Headley's death too. I like her face crushing on the ground. That's pretty good too. Yeah. Just blood flying everywhere. It's pretty beautiful. The de- like that is a beautiful death. Um, so yeah, the gore is pretty great. Um, I'm still I'm oh god, you know what? The gore uh, the gore is pretty awesome, but it took me aback, and it wasn't one of my favorite things about yeah. it which i think is weird I, sh- I usually like that more but i think it's again because i this movie left a weird taste in my mouth too when i watched it and then when i watched it again and i started doing a little bit more studying history on it i was like oh that's what they're saying this is what they mean and the pieces started to fall together and i was like you know what i feel kind of bad for lena headley she's a terrible person but like she like mama went through a lot to get to that point and then to watch to watch her lose everything with the same tactics that she put on other people is really human. To see her just kind of like, to know that her death is going to cause more death within that building is sad to me. And uh, I didn't realize it until I thought about it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of why. But uh, ultimately, she deserved to die. <laughs> she was getting people and throwing them off buildings. Come on. Yeah. But so does Dread. He shot just some random drug buyer in the face for no reason. How about when the hobo got crushed by the doors? Oh my oh. god, that was so <laughs> He's walking out. He's walking out and he's like, dude, you fucking I told you. ISO. I fucking told you. ISO. And then BAM! <laughs> that was kind of funny. Mostly because that of Carl. That was so funny. Oh my god. Listen, there wasn't levity in this movie. Dude. I do, I do like that. But see, that's a, that's sad, Bubbity. But like when he's walking by and he's like, uh, uh, process. I, he's, told, I told you to <laughs> fuck out. <laughs> two days in ISO, but I'm going to let you go. Don't be back when we come here. And then he's like, I told you. Go on. And he doesn't care when he gets crushed by the doors. He's, he's defending the three people that were thrown off the balcony, but the homeless guy, he doesn't care about at all. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so funny. I literally uh, lost shit when I saw that. It was, it was so <laughs> funny. Um, okay. so Zach, what's your goal, Zach? Um, probably a C plus or a B minus. I don't, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you know like, what? You know what? B minus. I'm gonna go with a B minus. That's sweet. That's sweet. That's sweetie. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm watching your fall to a death. Ah, oh, gosh. 
all the glass shards. Yeah. yeah. The swan diving. I love it. Oof. Okay. So, Suggestions for what? For the bad wheel. Oh, we're doing bad wheel. We're, we're going doing bad wheel. We, this was a curiosity. We're going around again. We're going around again. Then we're going into series again. Okay. So Alex, get ready, because if you weren't ready to go into series, we're going into it in two weeks. Okay. Let me let me pull up a suggestion. I didn't even look. Let me uh, get the backlog ready. The backlog ready. Oh man. Whew. That's loaded. Oh. Chris. <laughs> I have All to right. figure out, okay, so, um, for the current wheel, there are options missing because it's not updating anymore. So, does anybody know what we replaced the holiday special with? No. Um, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. Yes. Thank you. And Is then, that... I, I have to go back and look at, at uh, Ricky. I, was, I listened today just to make sure. Okay. I have to go back and look at uh, Riccio because apparently that didn't get updated and that made me mad. I swear I updated it. Oh, Alex, I got one. I think I got one. I have mine. Well, go I, back catalog. I I, I got I got one, but I, and it's bad. But for a while, I loved that movie so much. Debbie does Dallas. Got it. What's uh, the back catalog? All right, back catalog. Daredevil two thousand three. Ew. Mm -hmm. Godzilla, 1988. Mm -hmm. oh. Robin Hood, 2018. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who killed Captain Alex? No, that... Not you. No, that made it on the wheel once, but we took it off. Yeah. Gemini Man. Okay. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, no Holds Barred. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Masters of the Universe. Okay. Okay. Um, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah. That movie's so bad, it's so funny. Santa Slay. Okay. Flip you showed me. Uh, Freaked. Okay. That's right. <laughs> Santa Conquers the Martians. Best thing ever. I'm gonna go, I've already got my answer. Varsity Blues. Okay. Mm, I love Varsity Blues. Wild Wild West. Okay. Uh, UG, I, I'd love for you to watch that again. Uh, Max Steel. Okay. Uh, yeah, you offered that last week, too. And Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. Okay, yeah. and what's on the wheel right now? Uh, pending what we replaced Riccio with, um, The Last Airbender. Okay. The Watcher. Okay. The Wicker Man. Okay. Doom. Okay. Master of Disguise. Oh, God. I have so many Mitch McConnell jokes to make when we get to that. North. <laughs> Wait, Which one? What? North. Okay. Do you have Mitch McConnell jokes for what movie? Master of Disguise. Oh, yeah, because he looks like a turtle. He looks like the turtle guy. <laughs> uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh, man. Howard the Duck. Okay. Hard, hard Ticket to Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> Razor Blade Frisbee. Uh, sorry. Uh, the Cat in the Hat. Okay. Rollerball. Okay. Love on a Leash. Okay. Teen Wolf. Now, let me figure out what we replaced Rikio with. Okay, I got two suggestions. 
neither neither of them are on the backlog or on well obviously they're not on the web, but neither of them are on the backlog. Okay. So one of them is a movie I actually enjoyed for a while and I just I just want to rewatch it mostly and maybe it, it goes to the it should go to the curiosity wheel but I think it's pretty bad not going to lie because it's just boring kind of mm-hmm. it stars uh Hugh Jackman Okay <laughs> I think we're going to say Pan Van Helsing Van Helsing was one of them <laughs> oh, Okay that movie's super long all right not that long. Dude, it's about an entire half an hour where she gets kidnapped, and it doesn't matter. I know. They kidnap her from that ball, and then it doesn't matter. I've seen it enough to know that there's like a half an hour of that movie that does not need to exist. That's true. It's I'm, not saying, I'm not saying my opinion about it, but about the whole movie as a whole. We'll get there if we do do it, but like, I've seen that movie a lot, and I don't... It was fun for a little bit. For, for a while, I liked it, and then I realized it was just terrible. It's not good. I did like Richard Robespierre though, as Dracula, though. There are things to like about it, sure, but I don't think as a whole it's very good. Oh, no, it's horrible as a, as a whole. The other one is much worse. <laughs> what, uh, wait, the other I'm listening to the wrong episode. <laughs> the other one is... Stall? Every... I just want to... <laughs> this other one is directed by a first-time director... Mm-hmm. Who got a major blockbuster movie? Mm, okay, starring Jeremy Irons mm-hmm. and Rachel Weisz and John Malkovich. Aragon. Aragon. <laughs> Man, I do not care about Aragon. Oh, really? Aragon! It's really bad. <laughs> Never seen it. Do not care. It's really bad. And people still want a sequel. I've got Dungeons on there, so I've already got weird Jeremy Irons on there to look forward to. But um, I never saw Aragon. Like, Jeremy Irons is the only good part of the whole movie. Truthfully. (laughs) And, like, the cast is, like, not even that bad. Like, the cast is pretty stacked. It's got Jeremy Irons, Robert Carla, Rachel Wise, John Malkovich. I mean, just a bunch of other random people who probably haven't done it. But the director didn't know anything. Director was a fucking visual effects artist until like the week before, and they said, "Hey, do Aragon." That's super interesting. And then he immediately stopped at doing Aragon, and then he supervised the direction and the direction of the visual effects for the eighth season of Game of Thrones. Well, the visual effects are pretty good. Yeah, they are pretty good, and Sin City too. Ugh, since it seems terrible. Yeah. And he was the second unit director on Dreamcatcher and Galaxy Quest. Dreamcatcher? The Stephen King movie? Yes. Holy crap, that movie. Okay. Oh, man, I can't do it because it's a scary-ish movie. Man, that movie... I'd love to do that on the bad wheel, but it would scare Chris too much. Uh, Dreamcatcher's terrible. But... Dreamcatcher's terrible, but in, like, extremely so interesting ways. Yeah. It's like, uh, like butt demons. It's great. Oh, it's weird. Um, so the director of Aragon did the visual effects for Dreamcatcher and Galaxy Quest. On top of like doing visual effects for like actually good movies too, like Terminator 2, Twister, Master and Commander. He's, uh, he's, ser- what? He's the anti. He's the anti Jan de Bont. 
He's someone yeah, who's he, really good in one category, but not very good as a director. No, not at all. <laughs> also, if they gave it to him like right before production, and we're like, you're the one who's overseeing this now. Every anybody's gonna suck at that. Yeah, this, is, this guy just like had no business being this right. And then their lead, they just gave it to some kid. Ed Spleers never did a single acting job prior to Aragon. It was his first acting job, and then because of that, he got his role on Downton Abbey. Oh, well, then he might be good. No, he's not. <laughs> what did he do after Downton Abbey? Uh, nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no. He was on Downton Abbey for 17 episodes, which is like, whatever. I've never seen it. I don't know what he was like in it, but I can tell you he was terrible when they were on. Um, well, you're taking a chance with somebody that's new. Yes. Every time. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I'm almost there. Almost there. Uh, uh, my choice is going to be Freaked. I think it works better as a curiosity wheel, but I also think that maybe you guys. So, might which one? Would hold you... on, hold on. I'm about to get it. I'm about to get it. Hold on. Okay. What was your question, Zach? So, which one would you guys prefer we to do, Aragon or Van Helsing? We're kind of grasping at straws, in my opinion. This I'm going to say I'm going to say Aragon because I haven't seen that. Alex, I think you're going to be happy. Uh, oh, nice. Um, I, I would say Aragon because I haven't seen that, and that also sounds a lot more interesting to me, whereas I have seen Van Helsing, and I do think there's stupid stuff to talk about. All right. Him. I have it. What is it? So, what we replaced Riccio with was Dune. Dune? Oh, yes. David, like, David the Dune. like the original, like, David Lynch Dune. Okay. That's right. Okay. Sweet. That's fine. Okay, All so right. Dune and then terrible. Um, <laughs> a cursed wheel. So here's the thing about Steven Sommer, though. Like, I actually liked the Mummy movies. They were like fun, and Catch Me If You Can is great too. Uh, no, wait, what? The guy who directed Van Helsing directed Catch Me If You Can, the 1989 one. Ah, and, then, okay. and then he directed the two Mummy movies, the ones in the 90s. There's a, there's a movie from 1989 called Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, it has um. Matthew Lazani and Lauren Lachlan. I don't know who either one of those people are, but I'll look it's, it up. It's a, it's an old shitty movie. Is he? Is it? Is it British? Because I think Stephen Sommers is British. No, it's U.S. It was uh, shot in Saint Cloud. Uh, there you go. Uh, he's, um, I, I, do, I know. I do think Stephen Sommers can be fun at times. The I would say the thing that I dislike about it the most is the is that there was an executive probably in the meeting as a Van Sel Van Helsing's who were like, hey, your mummy movies had a lot of levity. Why don't you add some levity to that Van Helsing? And the yeah, problem is the movie has no color to it. It looks dark. It's gothic. It's Van Helsing. And then everyone's joking around like he's fucking James Bond. And I'm like, this is not good. Yeah. And the story sucks. And there's a half an hour that is unneeded. Um. But Aragon, it doesn't mean that I would not, it doesn't mean I'll enjoy Aragon more. I just, the way you were explaining it, it sounds like it's a more interesting story. But it yeah, may it's, not just, it's just interesting the fact that Jeremy Irons isn't awful. <laughs> Which is funny because in Dungeons and Dragons, he's terrible. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, you get part of Jeremy Irons is like probably drunk through most of the movie, and he's just like, I'm just here for the paycheck, but like, I'm in fucking probably something similar to Lord of the Rings, and so I'm just gonna have fun with it. Um, I, uh, what, what's your, what's your say, Chris? Which would you, which would you like of the two? Uh, what are my options? I'm sorry. 
Van Aragon. Helsing or Aragon. Van Helsing or Aragon? Oh, shoot. Yeah, I know, right? Aragon <laughs> would be more of a curiosity for me because... No, that movie's just bad, dude. No, here's, no for me. For mm. me, it's more of a curiosity because, believe it or not, I have seen Aragon. But it was when, I, when it first came out. Ugh. With you mom. You so my judgment on it is skewed. You want to hear a smack in the face? I spent money to see that movie, and then I bought it on DVD. I mean, a lot of people did. Um... <laughs> Uh, not, I, only, not only did I buy it on DVD, though, I bought the special edition. Also, you know what? Both of them are curiosities for me because they actually both apply. I just remembered that. So I okay. really don't know. That comment, right? So you saw Van Helsing as a kid and you no, remember? No, I've seen bits and pieces of it. You've never seen so. it at so all. either one's a curiosity for me, honestly. You know what? I kind of want to pick Van Helsing because I feel like Chris would walk away from it and be like, I like this. Yeah, well, I think Chris would <laughs> like Van Helsing. No, no. I honestly think you might like Van Helsing, yeah. I think you would. It's not actually as bad as you think. It's just boring as shit. Put it on the bad wheel. Well, no. Here's the thing about it. It's boring as shit. It's boring as shit, and there's a half hour of it that just doesn't make sense. But there's some fun to it. Curiosity. I think for you, it's a curiosity for me having seen it at least three times. I don't know why the instances those happened, but I know it's not a good movie. I know it has aspects to it. Not only have I... Not only have I seen it like four or five times, I've also played the video game. Also, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Okay, now listen. I think I would go with Aragon because I've heard and seen more hate for that movie than I have for Van Helsing. Well, that's because like the book was way better, even though the book ended horribly. It's the book is always better. People need to let that go. Honestly. If there's a fan base for the book, then it's obviously going to be liked more than Van Helsing because Van Helsing has no book. It's just a, someone made an action movie in, about Van Helsing. It's also it's like on... a fundamentally flawed film. Aside oh. from the fact that it's like that the book is better because it always will be. I mean, if we talk about Aragon, I get to talk about Robert Carlyle for a little bit, and that's always fun. Dude, if we're going to talk about Robert Carlyle, I get to talk about freaking ravenous which is my favorite robert oh no we can talk about ravenous but i also want to talk about his time on once upon a time and how he was actually the best character on that show period oh his um uh rumpelstiltskin yeah but he's so good in that role he was he was the only reason to watch that show for a long time him and like um emily de raven were like the only reasons to watch that show yeah you like lost i do like lost but Beyond the Bag of Once Upon a Time is just a reason for, like, Lost Actors come back on, like, a fun show once in a blue moon. Like, not only is that show great, but also, you know, Jennifer Goodwin's in it, who goes off to do stuff. She met Josh Dallas, who was just off Thor for a while. It has Robert Carlyle. It has Emily DeRaven. It has, like... Yeah, I didn't care for it. Matter. What? I didn't care for it. You don't have to. I only... Whatever. (laughs) No, I'm just saying. You Whatever. can tell people. Robert Carlyle was great in that show, and that's all that matters. I agree. I agree with that. I love Robert Carlyle. I think he's great in Train Spotting and this and uh, the Full Monty. Like I'm a big, uh, I'm a big. I even thought he was good in his Stargate show. I, I like I Robert. I actually Carlyle. see Stargate Universe, so um, he's really good at him. Uh, I I think my my favorite though personally is Ravenous. It's, that's that Ravenous is, a, is very good. <laughs> love Ravenous. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, but it's a curiosity wheel. I don't think it's bad. Um, 
And I do like, I would like to talk about a Paragon, even though everything I'd say I pretty much just said right now. Uh, I, I would love to have an argument with Chris about Van Helsing, is what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> but you, know, think, you know what? I do not. I'm not in the mood. I'm mood. Alex, I'm going to humor <laughs> you on this one. I'm going to pick Van Helsing. Oh jeez. We'll uh, we're gonna put this isn't gonna this isn't gonna end well for me. Listen, I've already made an ass of myself for the last like month and a half. Why would you want to argue with me? We're I don't know what I'm talking we're gonna, about. We're gonna put Aragorn on the backlog though, because we should. You being an ass, in my opinion, has been you not talking about things. You not talking about Star Wars, you being like in, introverted on your t- film podcast. That to me is bad. But arguments, that's the whole point. Like the whole point is that we learn to argue with each other but stay friends Dude. again, not murder each other. Dude. Three. Now now I want I I want us to like I want us to roll this like quickly too. I want us to put it on the wheel and then like like two weeks like next time after that just immediately like spin it and get Van Helsing. Okay, so both- I got Van Helsing uh alex did you pick one you picked freaked freaked uh i'm going with solo a star wars story i'm kidding um <laughs> oh i gotta look at this backlog i'm still like uh yep freaked i love freaked, but it's not a good movie did you guys you know what because I've already been thinking about it. Uh, Robin Hood 2018. I'll put that back on there. I'll go for it again. See what happens. Ah! It just it just spawned another freaking wheel. That was so weird. It's like another whole tab. What just happened? There we go. That's better. All right. We're good. Van Helsing freaked and... Robin Hood 2018. Let me update that. Share screen because Zach needs proof. Um, okay. All right. Here we go. Between the three, and this is what we're going to replace our current pick with. Oh, no. Oh, thank God it's freaked. <laughs> Ooh, I did it again. I got another one on there, guys. That was really close, Zach. Do you see how close that was? It wasn't that close, but yes, it was close. Oh, man, I was getting worried for a second. Because Chris didn't want to have that conversation? Uh, I'm, not gonna say anything. I, I'm not going to say anything about Freak at all. You, If you guys want to look into it any day, feel free to do it. Um, uh, <laughs> this is the movie that if I had my own podcast, like my own talk to myself kind of podcast, or like video show, this would be the first movie that I would do it on. Uh, oh, this movie... Uh, so yeah, uh, I will wait until it comes for you guys. Oh to my god! <laughs> I forgot about this monstrosity, dude. This movie's great. I I think this movie is super funny. I think it's really good. It's dated in its jokes, like it uses oh, yeah. its time that I think are not good. Why am but, I not surprised that Keanu Reeves is in this? And you picked the Keanu Reeves movie. Um, he's barely in it. I know. Lee Ehrenberg's in this though, which is kind of cool. I know the I know everything about the like I have done my history on this movie. They just did a re-review on this movie. This was their latest one on Red Letter Media. So if you want to watch that, you can. But I think it spoils a lot of it. Um, for me personally, though, one of my favorite weird movies of all time. 
it's fantastic. I hope you guys enjoy it, but I know it's bad. So I want you guys to like, I, it'd be interesting if you guys watched it and were like, whatever. But people think this is a bad movie. I personally think it's good. Whatever. It's a, it's a big swing in the dark, and I... I'm not going to lie. I kind of... I was really hoping... Like, or Dune. Um, I, I... You want some more sci-fi? A little bit, yeah. I, I was really hoping for some modern-day insanity. What like What's modern-day insanity to you? Robin Hood 2018. My God. Okay. <laughs> it's not on the wheel. I know, but I was really hoping it would be. Oh, God, that movie just looks boring to me. Uh, it's just its choices are just so... I just want to see how that all unfolds. Shit, that um, one choice. You honestly know it's one choice. I know. <laughs> I know, I just remembered it's one choice. But there's a whole other lot of other choices that I want to see. Let's spin this wheel. So. All right, so I read them all out. Everybody knows what's on here at this point. If they aren't, if they didn't already tune out already... Here we go. Spinning the bad wheel. Oh, God. Oh, I want it to be something so bad. Oh, no. Yes! Oh, no. Yes! Oh, no. Uh, sounds like Airbender. No, 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 no. You yes! give me this. You give me this. Yes. yes. Sounds like Airbender. Yes. Hang uh, in there, baby. Next movie. Hang in there, baby. Movie reviewing <laughs> on the Meister Movie Podcast is the cat in the hat. Yes. No! Oh, no! Oh, no! Hang in there, baby! God. (laughs) All right. Fine. (laughs) This is going to be good. Zach, we got him. Mike Myers at his nuttiness. Let's go. Dude, this movie is not good. I watched this movie a lot as a kid. I gotta see how it goes. No, let's go. I gotta tell you right now, I did exactly what Zach thought he was gonna do a little bit ago. He's like, I just wanna watch that movie for fun. And I did. Like, I had a whole day stuck at my parents' house. I had to, like, wait for him to help my dad with something. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna watch The Cat in a Half for fun. And I remember sitting there just like, what am I watching? What (laughs) the hell am I watching? This is And I just researched and I was like, this will oh my gosh and then i went i went i took a deep dive in that movie so yeah the history of it is interesting but it's not it's a terrible children's film it's a terrible (laughs) it's drugs the problem is drugs nope nope no it has to do with the fact that mike myers is just oh god there are things wrong with this movie go into the history of why mike myers is uh, a douchebag and no one likes to work with him anymore yeah Oh my god. Oh my god. This movie is so crazy and so bad, but it's so ridiculous. I can't wait to see your reaction on this. Because... Me? No, well, Chris, okay. I was more than anything. Zach, yeah, you wanted to rewatch this again, but, like, I, oh. I'm interested to see Chris's response. Because this is bad. This is bad shit crazy. It's so on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I know. It's on Netflix. Oh yes. It's a hundred twenty min. It's an hour and twenty minutes, and it feels like it. Oh, it's so bad, but it's so it's so outrageous. I'm so glad we got. It's so outrageous, dude. Like he outright like threatens to beat people with bats and like swears it, this movie's ridiculous 
the dirty jokes in this alone. Yeah. Like, I question a lot of what goes on in this movie. Like, oh my God. Beyond the fact that I love that, that Alec Baldwin is the villain of this movie, I just, oh my God. <laughs> is he? I mean, not really. <laughs> he's, he's something. But that was what I want to say. It's great. It's what I want you to think about when you're watching this movie, Chris. Um, I want you to imagine everyone on set, everyone on set absolutely is afraid of what Mike Myers might do, but also fucking hate him. Just just keep yeah. that in mind. There's okay. not a person on the set is like, I can stand this guy. Not one person. Chris, Dakota Fanning is in this movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dakota Fanning is like a 12-year-old girl in this movie when she's like eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, she was uh, she because <laughs> Alex's reaction was great. I that that was worth dude. it alone. Oh, dude, God. Like, it's you Chris, thought it was Arabenders. You oh, don't man. know, dude. This movie is unbelievable and it's so ridiculous. Zach, I was actually quite afraid that you were gonna tell them before me because I was like, no, you gotta give me this. Chris, <laughs> this was like uh, this movie's insane. That was like a Vader-esque no. That was a not like mine. Yes. That was like a different kind of no. No, no. Yours came from a a place in your soul no one's ever seen, including yourself. Me? Just, oh, me. <laughs> no. When he landed on the holiday special. Oh yeah. I just have seen this within the last year and a half. And that's too soon. It's been a while since I've seen this movie, so. But it's awful. Oh, it's not, dude, this movie is so oh, bad. It's so like here's the thing, Chris. Like the last movie we watched, I will admit, is not colorful. This is as colorful as it gets, and it just it's irritating. Oh God, this movie is so bad. <laughs> Listen, Alex, Alex, I want you to think of the greatest movie that you can put on the good wheel, like the best possible movie that you can think of that's not already on there. And Finler's bring list. it next week. Finler's list. And put it on there next week. Don't we yes. do curiosity next week? No, we're doing no, good. We're just doing curiosity. We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, well, Finler's maybe list. it'll make. Won't, and I won't pick Schindler's list, but I have seen that a bits and pieces of that again recently, and I was like, yes, Schindler's list is the best Spielberg. Is that it, the new a- Holy Grail now? That's the good no. wheels Holy Grail. Now we've got. Like, the Bad Wheel had the holiday special forever. And now you guys want to get Schindler's List on the Good Wheel and then wait no, another two and a half years. We're not ready for Schindler's List. We're not ready for Schindler's List. I would say, for me, the Good Wheel has, I think, Citizen Kane on it. That's a good one. No, uh, also- Citizen Kane is on this curiosity. Oh, well, then Night of the Hunter for me, for sure. I can't wait for you to see that. Um. So, yeah, there you go, everyone. And the hat. Holy crap. 2003. Oh my god, it is that old. Oh wow, yeah. Probably didn't age well, probably wasn't appropriate for its time either. It is not. No, there's a lot of jokes that aren't good for its time. The CGI, I think, works sometimes, but also doesn't. And then the story is just awful. It's just awful. He's awful. (laughs) Another trip into insanity. Thank you, Bad Wheel. This is going to be crazy. I like I I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on this, especially you, Chris, because this is just. Bad I haven't man. seen this since I was a kid. Apparently, this... I I watched this over and over as a kid. Oh. I couldn't get enough of this. 
That explains a lot. It does well, really actually explain a lot. It explains a lot because the whole point of this movie is about two kids running around trying to clean their house because this kid, like, it's just about anxiety of OCD. So, yeah. Oh, my God. This movie's insane. I love it. <laughs> this movie shaped the person I am today. <laughs> yeah. But we watch it again, and there's all of a sudden, like, Star Wars memorabilia all in the background. We're like, it explains so much. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. This movie... I'm pretty sure we still have the VHS of it somewhere. There was a VHS of this movie? Yes. There's a VHS tape of Cat in the Hat. Yes. Yep. Fuck you. <laughs> Your parents actually bought that? <laughs> I need to sit down with them because that there that is a crime that is unjustly unpunished. I think there's also a DVD of it somewhere, too. I was going to say, my cousin's on a DVD of it. <laughs> if you had a DVD of this, sure. But who puts their child through a VHS pan and scan copy of The Cat in the Hat? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm kidding. But that is super, that's super funny that they actually, that it made, that it barely made the end of the VHS tape phase. Yeah, because that's all, that's like all we had was VHS, VHS players at one point. Parents bought that, like, and and allowed you to watch. Um, that's the thing, because they're the ones who are really watching that. When you have a kid and the kid watches it over and over again, you are the one as the parent who's really watching it over and over again. Here's the funny thing, too. You should have fucking know. Here's the funny thing, too. They pretty much banned me. From all the like major children's cartoons at the time, like SpongeBob or Ed and Eddie, because I was like taking too much, like I was taking like the wrong things away from them. But you watch the Cat in the Hat? Exactly. I'm about to find out how backwards this is. I have, I legit 110 percent have a problem with that. <laughs> they didn't like. They, so they, they guarantee you that they were a helpful part of that whole Tarantino thing and they put that in your mind too like oh my gosh I remember crying like Spongebob as a kid I don't remember it dude there's That's so much it, you could, I was like, there's so much it. good stuff as a kid that you you literally were a kid during the golden age of children's cartoons and yeah. your parents wouldn't let you watch it they let you watch Cat in the Hat on VHS and, and Return of the Jedi too but yeah you know that's Star Wars. Star Wars you show your kids. Fine. And that's on VHS because it was on VHS forever anyway. I will forgive that. This is the cat in the hat from 2003, Chris. <laughs> I have a problem with this. I have a problem. I will let them know of that. I will tell I, them. I, I will report back next week. Abuse. Can I file child abuse when you're not a child anymore? Because, <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> next episode, I will report. I will give a report uh, from that. Don't tell me I said fuck so That would His parents didn't let him watch like Rugrats, Jimmy Neutron. No, they did let me watch Rugrats and uh, Jimmy Neutron. They did. They did allow that. that that's before. That's the before four times. Rocket the Power Mon Invaderism. I did watch Rocket Power. Fairly Odd Parents. I did watch Fairly Odd Parents. Powerpuff Girls. Ed, Ed, and I did Eddie. watch. I did watch Dexter's Powerpuff Lab. Girls. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. So Actually, they, no, 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 never mind, never mind. I did watch it at It's just Spongebob they didn't like. What was wrong with Spongebob? I just, I, apparently I cried like Spongebob a lot. Um, also, yes, hold on, Zach, they were not as protective as you think. I did watch almost all those shows. 
like Samurai Jack and Ed, and actually Ed and Eddie and Fairy Loud Parents and all that so, stuff. I did actually watch all that. Did you watch Courage? Courage, yes. So you watch kids? They let you watch Courage, but they I, didn't I, let you watch SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah. that is. Did they think... I, would, I would cry like SpongeBob. Is I think their explanation. I will give a report next the next episode. So let me guess. I'm asking, so I'm wondering if it's one of two things. But I think what you're saying is that you would watch the show and you would either do his laugh or you would make his voice. And they were like, "No, if he's going to imitate that guy, we're not going to have him watch that." No, show. No, I was imitating apparently his whining, not any of his like mannerisms or other that stuff. Well, some could argue that all he does is whine. <laughs> it's his voice. He's not. He doesn't have the most pleasant. It's a hi, I'm SpongeBob. Like he doesn't have the most. Cool <laughs> yeah, I'm here on your podcast. I heard your parents fucked up your Tom- childhood animated stuff. Chad, the hat that's fucked up. I'm gonna go with my pineapple. I just want to point out that SpongeBob's at least good enough that Keanu Reeves agreed to do a SpongeBob movie. That wasn't until uh-huh. years later. Here, the thing about SpongeBob to me, uh, I did hear that a lot of parents like the thing about SpongeBob for me is that it's two things: a it pushed weird animation onto kids. Like, it pushes the empathy of weirdness. That movie's weird. I mean, that show is super weird. And it's just silly and absurd and slapstick. If you teach kids that at an early age, they're going to learn empathy faster. And the other thing is, it teaches kids to deal with and empathize with special ed. Like, that's the most important thing about SpongeBob. SpongeBob is special. And people, like, help him through situations because he is that. People care for him because he is that. And his best friend is special, too. Like, it's a show that allows people to empathize and care about the mentally challenged. So I, I think that was probably one of the most important shows Nickelodeon ever produced, as well as having it be its flagship for now on. But, like, there are other shows, too, like Adventure Time. But one of the most prominent things that I was going to ask this is there were parents who didn't allow their kids to watch it because people thought SpongeBob was gay. Not that he was mentally handicapped, but that he was gay. <laughs> that was not the reason. Okay, just checking. But I like, understand as a parent. Like, I would, I ar- I would argue that, like, the, the two main flagship shows of Nickelodeon and the classic Nickelodeon era is SpongeBob and Avatar. <laughs> we, two okay, okay. We, we, I want to argue before. It is not SpongeBob and Avatar. It's SpongeBob and Rugrats. Avatar has a niche. Anyway. It's a great show. It's one of the greatest animated shows ever, I admit. But, like, it's not flagship Nickelodeon. I would say uh, it's 100% flagship Nickelodeon. It's, I would disagree. Flagship is the thing that when you have a parade in New York City, who are they going to put balloons up? And it's going to be they a They have Avatar balloons on Thanksgiving Day. I would uh, show me pictures. Please send me pictures that they had Avatar balloons up in the New York parade for Thanksgiving. Love sure, to see that. See if I can look it up. I would hope so, honestly, because that would be pretty sweet. But, like, they were never the flag. Flagship is the thing that you ride or die on. And that was an Avatar. Avatar has is the longest running series. SpongeBob is. SpongeBob has had two movies. Paris Hilton as female club goer. And there was a what, club scene. In what? SpongeBob? No, it got in the hat. Oh my God! Paris Hilton is in this movie. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Because in rave culture in the '90s, they would borrow the. If you went to a rave in the 90s, you would honestly very easily see people wearing the cat in the hat's hat. That big, tall, red and white striped thing. People would wear that to raves. So they commented by putting the cat in the hat in a rave in the movie. And then Paris Hilton's in there. And then you're like, oops, went too far. Dated yourself with a woman who got famous from a sex tape. Cool. 
Isn't that, isn't that the way to go, though? Isn't that the way to do it? At the time, yeah, but not anymore. <laughs> okay, Alex, they didn't have a parade. My bad. Told you. That's, I, that's need, a- I need to see a screen. I'm, tra- I'm going to look for a, a snapshot of this uh, club scene. Dude, you can probably find the club scene on YouTube. I will YouTube. say one thing, though. You have I think to- she's hot, and that's it. You have to admit, though, they, they do put Avatar very front and center in their amusement parks, though. They they are happy with Avatar. They don't. It's not that they're disappointed in it. Like people love it, and they're trying to get a live action made, and they're trying to. Oh my god! Flagship, flagship is flagship is like Simpsons for Fox, or for like Disney Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is their flagship property. That's the thing that like they, it's the head of the lead of ships. That's why they call it that. SpongeBob is now Nickelodeon's flagship. And it is. It's the moment it became like the longest running show. They've had two movies. It's the most profitable thing for them, period. SpongeBob is their flagship. Before then, it was Rugrats because Rugrats was the king of the Nicktoons. Avatar is in between there. It never had a chance. It just, it was, it was just this weird thing. It was anime. Over time, it has grown exponentially and has just as passionate of a fan base. But they aren't making the money and the marketing that they are with those other ones. That's flagship. I guess that's oh, true. No. I don't know. Like I think DC like flagship is Superman, Batman. Those are the I, I would argue because they withheld Avatar for so long because they wanted to make every cent they can make off it. Oh until my very god. Again, when you say Nickelodeon, people don't go Avatar. They go, oh, SpongeBob. I don't know if I'd say that. I'd say in the modern day a lot more people would close to I'm sorry. I do. I have a about what it isn't, but I'm not stupid. Like, if I asked a random, normal, everyday person in my neighborhood who has kids that watch Nickelodeon, I would say, when you think Nickelodeon, what do you think? They're going to probably say SpongeBob. They're not going to say We're Avatar. still recording. Avatar, ha- Avatar hasn't even been on Nickelodeon for how long As a new, uh, with new episodes? When was the last new episode of Avatar? Like almost ten years ago. That's my point. They're still making new shit of SpongeBob, and that's been on for almost like twenty years. I guess that's true. All right, all um, right, the all last right, all right, actual all right, Avatar all right. thing was. If we're gonna continue this line of conversation, let's do it off air, please. They made for Avatar was the movie, wasn't it? No, it was. So, okay, so they were. It was, 20, it was 2014 with Legend of Korra. That was the last thing. Okay, All right, so, everyone. Oh, it's not their flagship. It's SpongeBob. There's, if they're still making SpongeBob and still making SpongeBob movies, that's their flagship. Well, SpongeBob got canceled a while okay. ago. Anyone who can hear my voice. Episode. Tell me when that was. Next, when the move, last next, last next episode of the Here's podcast let's will like Chris. be let's like Chris. Hold on, hold on. The let's Cat like in the Hat. 2003. Mike Myers. And we will see you then. I'm watching this club scene. Hashtag I bring cannot more wait. Hashtag solo great. Two. Later, everybody. Say goodbye, guys. Hashtag on solo two. Hashtag release the beat Travis cut. Oh my God. Please.